This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, and welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Cranch. said, as always, Joe Miyaki Hanma. The king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? All right. I mean, it's getting a little better. Shockingly, it's I'm still struggling a little. Uh, maybe I'm dying. Maybe this is just it. <laughs> you're always you're always in fear of your of, of your you know inevitable death, and and yeah, it might be staring at you right now. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't gone to a doctor, so you know this could be uh, this could be fatal. Whatever I'm going through here, but. Uh, Sometimes this stuff is tough, man. After after many a weekend this year, I was done for man two and a half weeks or whatever. I think I missed one show. Maybe did I miss two? I don't know if I missed two shows. Maybe just one show. But then even the the one after that, I was just you know, sucking on a cough drop. And sometimes these ones you just can't get rid of them. Some some sicknesses you you nail them. You, you're done in a day. You're done in two days. And sometimes these things just fucking hang around for like two three weeks, and it's just the worst. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, physically I'm fine except for my voice and my throat. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I get that I where do- like I'll cough, like I feel fine, but I just cough all the time, and like I can't talk. <laughs> it's like the similar thing where I'm like, no, I feel fine, like I'll do any, I'll do all of my normal activities. I just like I just cough all the time, and you know, yeah, I, I just hate it's 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 very annoying. Yeah, the voice sucks, and you just cough a bunch, so it's pretty terrible. Well, if I pass, what I want you to do is come to the funeral. Oh, is this an official will or or because I'll get it in a Google Drive if, if if so. Should I get the Google Doc open? Well, it's on record. I'm saying it. I guess, I guess, yeah, other people can, can sort of vouch for it. Okay, go ahead. Yes. If I do die, I want you to come down to the funeral and put that shit behind the paywall. I mean, for God's oh, sake. Absolutely. Yeah. What's, it, it, what's our tier, though? Are we our new tier? Of course, right? Got to create a new tier for that. And if people want to attend, because you got to look at it this way. Forget the people who like us. Forget the fans. The people who hate my guts will want to see me get buried. You know what I mean? Literally buried into the earth and, and put away for good. You can make a lot of money on that. You know? So um, I, that I would definitely strongly suggest, and I'm, I'm allowing this to happen, putting this down on the show, going out to everybody. Put that shit behind the paywall, yeah, that's please. A, that's a great double whammy. I got to talk to the TLB here off air sometime. Do you, you have life insurance, Joe? She'll understand. She'll, she'll <laughs> no, no, I don't care. Do you have uh, life insurance? I'm talking about me and TLB are going to start working together here. What, what, what's your life insurance policy looking like? Well, well now I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I was, was going to say, because like right. a double whammy here. All, so, so you die, which would be terrible, tragic, you know, to, to the whole world. And I would definitely miss talking to you every single week. But then I don't have to talk, you know, three hours of wrestling every single week. I get right. the mega money from your funeral streaming. Right, and I'm fucking out after that. You know what I mean? Like that check cashes. I'm done, man. I'm out. And the TLV gets a little something nice, you know. 
whatever that life insurance yeah. policy is. The house, you know, this could work. She gets a little, a little taste. <laughs> this could work. I like this. I like this a lot. So the problem is like, okay, for the record, I am joking. Because like, if you do actually, have, you know what I mean? Like, just in case, for the record. Although that's not bad. Not a bad idea. All right. No, you got to do it. I'm, tell- I'm not even doing shit. No, no, I was like, going to do that for sure. I mean, the actual, att- like, trying to get you to pass on. Me and the TLB working in cahoots to get you to pass on that that obviously we're joking about but i'm not i'm absolutely not joking about yeah your funeral i would if i couldn't get down there i would very very nicely uh you know let the tlb know hey look i will give you 75 percent of this money but we are going to make a lot of money all right is oh she gets 75 percent. well i mean i'm gonna have her film it though that i mean i'm not being i'm not getting down there so like right you know if i'm not down there like hey uh yeah i know joe died I'm, i'm really sorry you, you mind, you know, download the Patreon app on your phone and do it, you know, a lens hold, for me if you can. <laughs> hold on a second. Or back up a second here. You wouldn't come to my funeral no, I mean, if I, I would, died? I would. I'm saying if I couldn't for some reason. I would absolutely. I would go I down think there. That's, yeah. that's the story here. I didn't expect the bits to go in this direction. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I'm saying if in the, 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 whatever scenario where I would not be able to attend, I would, of course, make any attempt to attend. Are you kidding? Get out of here. Mm. <laughs> You're not buying it. All right. That was a little surprising. Well, I, I got know, No, I would, the reason I would want to go down there is I, just, I, and I don't know anything about, the, but I, I don't trust her camera abilities. I feel like I would just do a better job with it. So that's something that gets her. She's got a lot on her mind. You just passed away. Like, I, I would, I feel like we would get more value, and 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 our our the people that subscribe would would want to subscribe because I would have some pretty good camera work. I might even have Michelle come down, have her work on her camera, like bring her nice camera. We could do like a two camera shoot type thing. Like we really really make this work here. You know, some some close ups of of the sad family members and stuff like that. That's what I would prefer to do. But you know, we'll see. Just get morbid. <laughs> you started it. This is yeah, but it went in directions I didn't think it was going to go. I mean, uh, but you're right. I don't know if she can handle it. Like I mean. She's a 31-year-old white girl. She That's takes true. selfies. You're right. She might even be better than me at it. Yeah. yeah. She takes selfies holding Starbucks cups and shit. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some ability there. You know? Next to her live, laugh, um, love side. <laughs> Exactly. It's not her fault, to be fair. She's just doing what she's she was meant to do. So that's fine. That's what you're born to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a new one. I got to take a picture now. Oh, we God. This- <laughs> Was it the, the winter one, or are we already in the spring? Nah, it might be the worst one yet. To, to explain to the listeners, we have this <laughs> awful back-and-forth bit where, uh, you know, in the Voice of Wrestling office slack where we send each other the terrible, you know, live, laugh, love type wall. Eat, uh, drink, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this is not a house, it's a home, all that, like the kind of garbage that, you know, women put up in the house. And we, we whenever one of our, you know, SIG others put a new one in the house, we put, I got a new one though for you, Rich. I can't wait to post this one. It's in the living room and it's bad. Oh, it's bad. I mean, this one's, uh, this, and because it's right there in the living room when people come <laughs> to the house. always seeing it. It's just always front and center yeah it's a pretty awful one it's like right next to like family portraits and stuff it's you can't miss it it's it might be one of the worst ones yet but uh i'm excited i'm excited for that but uh let, let, let's get let's get into business here because we had a ton to talk about this week uh we did mention this um while we were doing our instant reaction shows on patreon.com uh slash voices wrestling or voice wrestling.com slash patreon as well for uh we did instant reaction shows for wrestle kingdom immediately following both night one and night two 
uh, of Wrestle Kingdom 14. And we mentioned on those shows that we can't really do the Wrestle Kingdom 14 review show here because we've done it. We've given our takes. We've talked about it. You and I have talked together about it. There's just nothing really else that we can do. We still want to do something about Wrestle Kingdom 14 for those that aren't subscribers. But really, this is a good opportunity to say, like, well, what are you doing here? We, we, we tell you that, you know. It's five bucks a month. It, it's it's chump change. It's nothing. It's basically free, as you like to say. Five bucks a month gets you the instant reaction shows. We did those immediately following Wrestle Kingdom, and this is you know we we try not to take stuff away from the flagship and put them on uh, the Patreon. We try to keep the flagship you know to itself and 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 feel important and feel special and whatnot. But in this case, like we're doing those instant reaction shows, we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom, we're spending an hour after every single show breaking them down. We just can't in good conscience come back here and go, all right, Joe, what'd you think of you know Sonata and Zack Saber Jr. Like we can't do that because we did that already in excruciating detail. We touched on the attendance, we touched on the business aspect of it, we touched on the booking aspect of it, we touched on the in ring, like we did everything we possibly could on those instant reaction shows for you know two hours total for both one you know night one and night two. So we just can't come back on here and do the same Wrestle Kingdom 14 review show. So we're not going to do that this week. Though I did want to kind of talk about it because now we are a few days you know past. It, it, it obviously is it, it has come and gone. Um, anything change for you in in terms of Wrestle Kingdom 14? Anything that you've kind of thought about a little bit more? Things that really have you kind of stewed over, or things that have sort of changed in your mind? You know, a, a few days out from the show now. No, I think they were both um they were both incredible shows. They were both great shows with you know each one of them I thought had, you know, four to five uh very good to great matches. I think that both shows had what will go down as you know at least one or two legendary matches and I think there was the home run angle with Kenta at the end of night 2. Um there was the great angle with Minoru Suzuki on night 2. So, uh, really for me, the only area where the, the double dome lagged a bit was right where we thought it would during those, you know, eight man tags that hour during the first show where really nothing of consequence happened. And, you know, I'm still annoyed that they did it that way. I think they would have been much better served to throw on a couple of undercard singles matches or something in those spots, but that's a minor gripe. Um, the two shows drew, 70,000 fans combined. I mean, there's no complaining there. You know, they did, you know, millions and millions of dollars in gate. I saw the exact figure, but I I don't remember. Um, And I think that uh, from that perspective, the double dome idea was obviously a wild success, drawing 40,000 fans the first night, 30,000 fans the second night. Um, What I want to hear from you is, is this something that you would do again, or is it something that, uh, they were just special circumstances with it falling on a weekend and you you had this big match with Okada and Naito because you know before you answer that um you know I, I remember someone who many consider the most compelling voice in wrestling media telling the world two years ago after Naito lost to Okada that it made just far too much sense to do the rematch in two years at the same show. Mm-hmm when Wrestle Kingdom would fall on a weekend and you can fill the building to the rafters if you keep those guys away from each other for two years and then do Naito's big coronation there. Now, we had no idea there was going to be two dome shows and all that, obviously, but that was my immediate thought two years ago when Okada won the first match was, okay, you don't do it next year. You wait till the year after because then the dome will be on a weekend 
And and typically Gato is very patient with his booking, and he you know it's he might make you know it wouldn't that'd be a very Gato move to wait two years and keep them apart for two years, and ultimately that's how it played out, and um, that's why I was fairly confident after the G one, after even Naito was eliminated, where I came on this show, the very next you know show we did after he was eliminated and said I'm still confident he's walking away from no shows with the title. I still think that the double dome made it to where losing the G1 did not matter. Right. They, you know, we, didn't, we still didn't know about the tournament, but it opened up the possibility that anything was possible at that point, and ultimately that's where it played out. So that's my little mini victory lap on both of those instances, and you were right there with me. Yeah, no, that, we, you took a big victory lap for the first one, because I remember us, you know, and, and a lot of people kind of giving a shit about that, too. Like, why would you wait two years? Why would you wait two years? And, and I think our argument was always, that is the biggest match that you have in this company right now, and if all things go well, that it's still the biggest match you'll have in that company in two years, and you'll be able to have it on the perfect scenario possible, where you can have those two guys work the dome on the weekend, January fourth, and 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 that was, and we said it at the time, that is your a chance and your ability to get the highest Tokyo Dome number you've maybe ever had, or get people in the get every seat in that place filled by doing it on a Saturday, doing it with a, a longer build, holding it for that that moment. And obviously things went a little bit differently than, than ex- maybe we had initially anticipated, but still the end result was was pretty much exactly what we thought. And no, it was, you know, split over the two nights or whatever, but still like the, the tip of the cap to doing the 70,000 over those two nights as well. I mean, you can't take anything away from that. If you listen to our, you know, instant reaction show on night two, we talk about uh, the attendance from night two, which was down, you know, almost 10% or, or, or not 10%, uh, uh, 10,000 from, from night Night one, and we talked about how that's a, a little bit of a failure and a little bit of a you know you have to kind of call it what it is. It was they they you know night one peaked more than night two, and I guess that's a way that I'll answer y- your question. There is, I don't hate the double dome thing. Like it was fine for me. I enjoyed it watching it. It felt even more important because there was the two. I do worry if that you 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 maybe get a little too cocky here. And I think what happened with night two, if if night two had more attendance or exactly the same attendance, I would say, yeah, dude, let's do this thing every single year. Let's just say, hey, look, January 4th and January 5th or or January 3rd, January 4th, however it's going to fit. I think the 4th and the 5th probably works a little bit better. However, it's going to fit. Hey, every single year we're going to do this until we can't anymore. I, I have no problem doing that. And they might still do that. But but I would say because we saw the drop a little bit where where the January 4th, the Saturday, it felt I guess to people there felt more important. It felt more like this is Wrestle Kingdom this night. Whereas we saw on the Sunday, and I don't know if that's because it was a Sunday. I don't know if it was because it was back-to-back nights. I don't know if it, be, it was because they have no confidence in, in what the match was going to be delivered. I don't know exactly the reasons why. But the fact that you had 10000 less for that second night worries me a little bit that maybe you don't want to get too cocky with this. I, maybe you don't want to do it on a Wednesday and a Thursday or whatever. And yeah, the Wednesday, the fourth does really good numbers. And then the next day on the fifth with Thursday or whatever the hell it's going to be. I, I don't know what the, you know, it is next, next few years that does, you know, 20,000, 25,000 or whatever. Do you really want that? What are the optics of doing that? So that's why I would, you know, me personally, I would probably say, you know what, fuck it. Let's try it at least one more time and let's try it on, on, on days that aren't optimal, which will probably be, you know, over the next few weeks, you're not going to get this or the next few years, you're not going to get this optimal scheduling again. And if it doesn't work that night, then you just say, okay, look, it didn't happen. It didn't work. It's, it's not going to work. Go back to the one night or whatever. But, you know, given that you got 70,000 people in that building there for, for two straight nights with a lot of the same talent, all the same stuff. And, and I don't know what building fees are or whatnot. I don't see why you don't at least consider it. You know, for future years, unless you just get signs that say, no, 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 do not do this on, you know, a Thursday and a Wednesday or whatever. But I don't know. Do, do, do you kind of have the same thought, too? Like, I would at least try it one more time. 
I hesitate to use the word failure. I'm uncomfortable with that word for the second night um, because it wasn't a failure. But I think if I do it again, I learn from this time and I'm announcing my main event for the second night because yes. I think if Okada, yeah, I think if Okada Naito had been announced for night two, it draws more than 30,000 fans. And this is kind of like the point we made behind the paywall in that it's a tricky thing because while the, 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 the weekend as a whole was a massive success, I would be a little let down if I'm in the room that ultimately Okada Naito drew 30,000 fans. And I noticed people probably screaming at their devices saying, no, well, they drew 40,000 the first night. Okay, well, that match didn't draw 40,000 people the first night. Okada Abushi did, and White Naito did, and whatever was scheduled on that night did. Uh, Hiromu's return. Okay. Um, night two, um, especially if you want to come at me with the argument of people were anticipating Naito Okada and expecting it, well, then that's even worse. That's a worse argument to make. So the match still only drew 30,000, and you're telling me people, quote unquote, knew it was coming. I think the opposite. think this is where Gato's booking broken fans. I think if that match would have just straight up been advertised the whole time and, and didn't just have the one day build, there's more than 30,000 fans in that building. Because that's a match that should have sold out the building. Now, would you rather have one sellout with the outfield open and do Let's say 50,000 fans. I have no idea how many people they can cram in there. But for the moment, would you rather do Naito Okada on one show and do the 50,000 fans? Would you rather do these two shows and do 70,000 That's fans? what I mean. Would yeah, even, even 70,000 fans. Yeah, even if you eat shit on the second night or whatever, if you get, you know, 35,000 or 40,000 night one and then, you know, 20,000 night two, it's still, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not bad. That's, you know, two opportunities to sell rather, merch, two opportunities to sell, you know, concessions, two opportunities to, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's, it. that's where, like, the temptation comes in is it's like, yeah, I mean, on your face, on his face, you would like to say, yeah, dude, hell yeah, do one show, sell that bad boy out, get 50,000, 55,000, whatever. But on the second breath, it's like, uh, you can get to you know sixty five seventy just you know with the second night being a quote unquote you know uh, disappointment or whatever. That's what this. I mean, it's, it's night two is a disappointment. You have seventy thousand people in there, so it's like uh, I don't know, like hard to hard to really say that, that you say should you'd do that. Do, yeah. yeah, I mean, you rather do seventy thousand across two nights, but I I cannot kick the feeling that for Okada Naito that thirty thousand is a bit of a disappointment, you know, in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do two domes every year. Um, I think this was a special circumstance weekend, and they felt like they had the right match that was protected um, and all that. So I don't think you're, you know, unless you get those circumstances again, uh, you don't do this. But I definitely think if you do it again, you have to have a full announced card for both shows. I mean... I, I do think as successful as this this weekend was, I, I genuinely believe they actually left money on the table. Absolutely. 100%. And, and especially now if you don't have this, if it's not on a Sunday or whatever, if it's on a weekday, you can't anticipate people. having a match, a main event announced for day two. Sorry, we we're breaking up there a little bit with the with connection-wise. But what I was saying um, is that, you know, given if this isn't a 
you know, if it's not on a weekend or whatever, it's on a Thursday or whatever that like you cannot now you, you, you can't anticipate walk up. You have to get people in the door on that second night. You have to get people taking work off early, doing whatever. I, I, I know there's a holiday around this time, too. So I don't I, I don't know if people have, you know, the fifth off all the time. Uh, regardless, but like, yeah, you, if, if you're going to do those two nights and it's not going to be on a Saturday and a Sunday or whatever, it's going to be during the week or the end of the week or whatever, like you can't just anticipate people walking up. It, it, it cannot be a walk up crowd. So I'm, I'm right with you that if you do do this again, which I think that they're at least going to tease it. And, and I think maybe them not announcing it right away and, and not announcing it during, you know, night two of Wrestle Kingdom might be a thing of like, hey, let's kind of let's kick the tires on it a little bit. Let's think about it a little bit. If you're going to do that, though, yeah, you got to announce at least top two matches, I think, for both nights. I think out of the gates, you cannot, I, I don't think you can do a, hey, let, you know, come and see who maybe will show up on night two or, hey, who's going to be the champion night two or whatever. I just don't think you can get away doing that again if it's during the week. You, you can't anticipate those walk-ups during the week. I don't like asking people to assume that they're going to get something. And, you know, to me, you know, and I, I don't know, to me that was backed up by the attendance on night two. You know, it, 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 it's almost like, I, I would almost say it, it almost would have been better to do Okada Naito on night one, but that show sold out. So it's not like it cost them anything holding the match up. Just in a weird way, I think the match by itself would have almost, I mean, do you have any doubt that match would have drawn more than 30,000 fans? Oh, on its of course. I mean, no one Absolutely. listening to this has yeah. any doubt. Um, I, I, as I said, an incredibly successful weekend where I can't kick the thought that they left just a little bit of money on the table. But at the same time, if you don't have that killer, super protected, once in a half decade kind of match, you can't even think, you, you can't even attempt to do back to back dome shows like this because you need a match like that. My whole thing is, it's like, I really feel like they would have been better off announcing it. And that means you don't have the tournament, and I get that. And that means you got to have the big. But but what we've learned here, too, see, we learned some things, right? We learned that the fourth is going to draw no matter what because right. of the history. And so you can put the weaker show on the fourth. Really load up the show on the fifth and put your, your powerhouse main event on the fifth. They were wrong. Maybe fifth wouldn't draw because it's just all about the fourth or draw as well. I should say, because let's not forget 30,000 fans is more than they drew two years ago for, for Wrestle Kingdom. So it was a huge success. Okay. So they did two shows this year that outdrew the one show as, as, as recently as two years ago. Um, no, if I were the booker, if I, I'm in charge. I am just, and I, I, I just wish there was a way I could have gotten more out of this match that I protected for two years. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and as far as like matches that you know really stood out or, or whatnot, you know, we talked about it during the instant reaction shows, and it, it, it's obvious. You know, night one, your final four matches are really going to be the ones that that to me really really stand out and and are definitely the must watches. Uh, for night one, I mean, I guess you can skip night two and white if you want. I've seen varying degrees of people that enjoyed that a lot more than we did, and then people that hated it even more than we did, or whatnot. So that that one is is one that maybe if you're pressed for time, I could get skipping. But those final four, Moxley and Archer, is absolutely a must watch. You know, I, I I absolutely love that match, and I actually went back and and, and rewatched it again because you know when the the day of, it's like one of those ones. It's it's 50 minutes, so it's not like like I'm not gonna go I'd probably go back and watch Okada.
Masada and Ibushi anytime soon because it was like 40 minutes or whatever. But Moxie and Archer, since it was only 15, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me let me dive into that real quick. Let me just watch it again. And it, and it held up. It's a really, really good match. I, I absolutely love uh, what they did with that one. And then Hiromu and Will, obviously, uh, you know, stands for itself. But like, let me, was, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, yeah. About um, Moxley and Archer. Because I didn't notice this the first time I watched the match, but a lot of people made a real big deal out of Moxley missing on those knees. Do you know what I'm talking about? <sighs> yeah. An archer, and they didn't come anywhere close to an archer's head. Did I, I, the live viewing? I didn't even notice. It. I did. I. I, I got to be honest. I didn't. Even on replay, Joe, I don't think I noticed it really. I knew it was coming, and I knew the spot that it yeah. was, and I kind of watched and said, "Okay, here's the spot," and it's like. I don't know. It's like fucking five seconds and it's over. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? Like, yes, when you zoom in on Twitter and have it in a, in, you know, a, a, a looping gif, oh my God, look at John Moxley's. But it's like in the context of the match, it's like five seconds in a 15 minute match. I mean, what cares? Yeah. I mean, I saw it after the fact and then saw it when I watched the match again. And yeah, it obviously looks horrible, but it didn't kill the match for me or anything like that. I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes those things really drive you nuts and sometimes they don't and you can't really explain why. So I get why people really hated that. Um, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it did look awful, but I, we didn't talk about it the first time around. So, because neither one of us, I don't think, it. yeah, I did, I did not in, um, in, in, in the first night actually notice it. So, which is why we didn't talk about it. So I just wanted to bring it up now. Um, but yeah, it, like, I think the big thing coming out from the weekend though, you know, night, I think I like night one a little bit better cause those final four matches, I think all kind of delivered, uh, night two, obviously th- there's some great stuff in night two, obviously with Goto and Kenta and, and, and you know, night two and o- o- Okada at the end or whatever. And then obviously the, the, the Kenta angle, um, to finish it out. But yeah, I mean, when, when, when you talk about it overall, like it, and it, it's going to be weird is I don't know, you know, looking out to, to the end of the year. And, and wondering about show of the year and where this one's going to rank. It's one of these weird things where, like, I don't know that individually either of these shows will rank as the best show of the year. But it's like when you look at it in totality, like, there's three out of these <laughs> three of these matches are going to no doubt, I think, be in our top ten at the end of the year. And it's one of those weird things where, like, because it's the two shows, you know what I mean? Like, are, are people going to lump them in together? Are people going to pick and choose? Are they going to cannibalize one another? I'm kind of thinking, of, I'm kind of globalizing this and thinking about it, you know, long term or whatnot. But, like, you know, when it's all said and done, if we lump these two shows together and kind of think of them as one, there was like three incredible, unbelievable matches that, again, I have no doubt will be in our top 10 or at least in the top 15 with maybe the one being on the outside. And that's Hiromu and, and, and Osprey, Okada and Ibushi, and then obviously Okada and Naito are like matches that will te- stand the test of time the rest of the year. But I do wonder about the show and these shows, whether they'll stand the test of time or because of the split show. And because, like you said, night one was filled with a bunch of junk at the beginning and night two kind of started slow until it got going as well. But then there was some, you know, some you know misses along the way as well. Like, how are these shows going to be remembered the entire year? I mean, that tends to happen with Wrestle Kingdom every year where, you know, people talk about their shows of the year and sometimes Wrestle Kingdom won't come up. And for me, it almost always does because then I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Wrestle Kingdom had five matches that you know, <laughs> right, right. were consensus four and a half or back. How, how do you, you know, um, forget about it? But, but, but that always happens. It, it's, it happens so early in the year. That's part of it. Uh, the other thing is it's a boring chalk answer, part of it too. And like you're saying, this year, I mean, there's two of them, and the matches are split. So 
I'm sure that'll hurt it too. Um, you know, I'm not sure which one, which of the two shows I preferred. I haven't really put a lot of thought into that, honestly. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, because I think a, a big thing is where you stand on Jay White and Abushi. Because some people were able to get into that match and they really liked it. I have I had no use for that match. And as a result, very hard for me to get into it. Number one, I didn't feel like it had any stakes and I wasn't interested in a third place match. And then number two, the, with the way that Jay White works, the most exciting style. So it's not like the match roped me in with its you know incredible fucking entertainment value. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and that's like the semi-main event. That's a bad spot to be taken. Yeah, out of the show. That, that's why I choose night one because there's just this big old lump of shit there in night two. Where it's like I liked a lot of night two. I probably in totality liked night two a little bit more. I think there was more matches that I enjoyed from night two than I enjoyed night one. But it's like, oh man, there's just a big old thirty-minute lump of shit right there, right before you get to you know Okada and Naito, and that's that's tough to get around. It's really tough. Yeah, so if you're someone who liked that match, I, I would think that you preferred Night 2. And I think that that would be fair. Um, I think some of the early stuff on Night 2 was a little underwhelming or under-deliver, under-delivered to some extent. Your tag was a nice little match, but, you know, not, not Wrestle Kingdom have the best match of your life or go out there and try to have the best of your match of your life, buddy. It's a nice little match, you know, so... I don't know. Was that significantly better than the eight-man tags on night one? I, I, I don't know. It had some stakes, at least. Um, Tiger stuff on both nights were comparable. I think the match on night two was better. Um, and I'm not someone super wrapped up in the emotion of Liger retiring. I mean, I like Jushin Thunder Liger, and um, it, it was nice watching that stuff, but I'm not like someone who's sitting there in tears. And So neither of those really did a ton for me. Um, so I don't know. I really haven't put a ton of thought into it. I'd really have to think about which night I liked better. But to answer your question, yeah, I think that um, it, it'll be hard for one of these shows to be like the show of the year because, yeah, it was split up. But I don't think it'd be unfair to be like, to, to you know, to say like, oh, night one. With, with the quality of matches on night one, I mean, of course that realistically is, I think both of them will ultimately be among the best shows of the year. It's just a matter of, those factors that work against it so early in the year and being split and everything else so i was i was looking at grapple here because we had talked about it during our um you know our, our instant reaction shows a little bit about you know where the grapple ratings were looking at where the consensus was kind of going with some of these uh matches and, and i want to touch on the big three really from from russell kingdom and and the first one obviously will osprey and hiromu that one right now 4.76 right now uh, on Grapple, which is like a tremendous rating. That's a tremendous average. You know, over 850 people voting on that still at, you know, 4.76 is pretty tremendous there. The one that really stands out to me, the two matches, I should say, uh, that really stand out to me, of course, are, are Okada and Ibushi and Okada versus Naito. And I'm pretty surprised by this. And I'm curious what your thoughts are uh, here. And, and and there's two things I'm really curious about, really, really with this. So Okada and Ibushi right now average is 4.84 so a little bit above for Roman a little bit uh, you know above for Roman Osprey 4.84 with 827 votes in for this match so 827 votes in which is actually interesting it's less than Hiromu and 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 uh and Osprey but 827 votes at 4.84 uh, your average rating now we go to night 2 
And this, this I think, is the most fascinating thing with, with this. And, and I guess I, we, we should ask the guys at Grapple if they have any kind of insights or ideas of, of, of what the, you know, could be causing this. But Okada and Naito, Night 2, is exactly the same at 4.84 the average. But the votes, only 650 as, as of this recording. 656, exactly, as of this recording. It's almost 200 likes. I can explain that. Yeah, what do you got? The, the stream went down and people gave up and they haven't watched it yet. It's possible, yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot to ask people to begin with to dedicate two nights of their lives to five-hour shows. And then, you know, I saw it live because I was up at ease or look for an illegal stream. They went to bed and then you're going to work. And you, a lot of people just haven't gotten around to watching that second night yet is probably what explains that. And a little bit of what we talked about before with the live attendance. People are just used to one four being the day. Right. You know, and I think everyone made it a point to watch the fourth. And the fifth ended up being kind of on the back burner. Not that they're not interested, but it, that one I'll get to. You know what I mean? It's like, but I'm going to watch the fourth live. That's what I do every year. And the fifth, I'll get to it when I get to it. Even tried to watch once that English stream went down. They checked out all night, telling us, "Ah, I'm hand waving it. I'll watch it tomorrow. I'll watch it, whatever." And then maybe when you watch it two or three days later, you're not running the grapple to rate it because the excitement's gone. You know, in the moment live, you're more apt to to go to the app and put your rating in and see what everybody else is saying. If you're watching it on Monday afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon after it's spoiled and everything else, right? You know, you're not as excited about pumping your rating into the app. So I can totally understand the night two matches having less total ratings than the night one matches. Actually, to me, that makes a ton of sense. And I believe, you know, and and I know that they were working (laughs) tirelessly to figure it out, too. Uh, Do you remember which night it was that Grapple actually went down? I thought it was night one, I want to say, or maybe it was night two. It might have been night two as well. It might have coincided um, with. But I thought I thought for sure it was night one, which is actually kind of interesting that that both apps had you know big spikes in terms of New Japan World and Grapple had spikes. But I know that one of the nights Grapple went down. I guess I I, I don't remember now the whole night the whole weekend's kind of a blur for me with you know on three hours of sleep combined in two days or whatnot. I, I don't remember exactly uh, what was going on there. But yeah, it's it's an interesting case there. But I just thought it was interesting that both those have four point eight four right now, so they're both almost exactly uh, the, the same there in ratings. And and I, I guess I could see that holding true. I think pe- more people would be. A little surprised by that, but you know, I'm somebody who put five on both of those ones, and and I know a lot of people really, really liked, uh, uh you know, uh, Okada and Ibushi. I'm not alone in that, and it's kind of cool to see, uh, that you know, both those main events, like you said, you know, teetering on, you know, the the, the five star average was just absolutely insane there at four point eight four. So pretty cool stuff, uh, from from Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, yeah, anything else on 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 Wrestle Kingdom before we get to uh, some of the other news and notes we have to talk about this week? No, I mean, again, if people are looking for match-by-match match of the show, um, that's on the $5 tier behind the paywall. And we've got two separate shows there um, that we recorded, you know, literally minutes after the show has ended. Um, so they can get that there. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, I, I don't want to see two domes. It's just, man, for, as someone who stayed up three nights in a row because I watched Dash live as well, um, you know, it's probably contributing to my physical state, honestly. Uh, it's just too much. No, it really is too much. And it's, it's, Wrestle Kingdom's not the kind of show that I want to punt 
to the next day or two days later. I, I, I need to see it. You know, watching it spoiled is going to take a lot away, personally. So, you know, I'm glad they did well and all that, but I wouldn't be upset if they never tried this. Oh shit. yeah, no. While, while I'm saying that, yeah, they should do it. I don't fucking want it again, man. It was it was tough, and like, yeah, a lot of times in New Japan shows, I'll watch them in the morning, or you know, I'll wake up at you know. 5 a.m. and catch the main event and then go back and watch the other stuff or something like that. But I felt, again, like you said, like you kind of have to watch in the moment. You have to have that communal aspect about it. And I, you know, people were saying, oh, we'll just watch it in the morning or hey, watch it this time. I was like, no, we got to record shows. We got to be like, this is like a big time for us. We're selling books. We're out there tweeting. We're getting followers. We're, it's like, it was part of our quote unquote job or whatever was to do it, you know, live or whatever. But like you said, like normally, yeah, it'd be a lot, e- you know, it's easier to do it one night and, and, and watch it live and go on or whatever. But yeah, like, you know, I'd love to have just, you know, woke up at, at 8 a.m. and watched it, you know, then. But, yeah, there was no way we could do that given, you know, what we're doing here. So um, I guess we could have, but then we wouldn't be hard workers, too. And we're nothing but, hard, not, you know, nothing if not hard workers, which you're going to find out about a little bit later in the show when we talk about how hard of workers we are and what we did to prepare uh, for this week's show. But, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, patreon.com slash voice wrestling. Oh, sorry, too. go ahead. This is a great test case for WWE. They should absolutely do two WrestleManias. You know, I, I don't have any doubt about that. I mean, you do a Saturday and a Sunday WrestleMania because I think that they can put 50,000 people into the, whatever building they're running two nights in a row. Because um, I think that their fans for that weekend are that fanatical, and I think that they would go, and I think that they could. Uh, and I think there's no doubt that they were watching this to see how it would do. And, you know, it's... Uh, they have a larger fan base, a more ardent fan base. They have, you know, it, it's they're, you know, exponentially bigger than New Japan. So they have to be thinking that they could successfully do this for a WrestleMania. What do you think about that? No, absolutely. We've been saying that for years. God, I can't remember how long we've been saying that. That why yeah. don't you run on a Saturday? You know, don't literally like they, they're kind of striking out all the competition by signing everybody. But we said, God, I think we said it to in the New Orleans <laughs> WrestleMania all those years ago. Like run both nights. Then there's not going to be competition. Like then then that competition will be scared. We see right now the competition's scared to run on Sundays where we think, you know, indie shows should run on Sundays. But if you plop a fucking six hour WrestleMania right there on Saturday or whatever, you plop a four or five hour WrestleMania right there on a Saturday. And honestly, like when we talk about it, like I personally would probably rather watch two WrestleManias than watch one of their fucking eight hour things that start in goddamn 3 p.m. and go until 11. Like I almost would prefer it like, hey, look, let's do a, you know, a three hour wrestle, two, three hour WrestleManias. I'd much rather watch than this one eight hour extravaganza because it just becomes too much. You just want to go do anything else but sit there and watch WrestleMania for any longer. So I think, yeah, we've been saying it for years, but now, especially given how bloated that WrestleMania has become, oh, it's a no brainer to do it on Saturday. Move, take over to Friday, fucking launch the Hall of Fame into whatever, you know, do it on Monday, do the fucking hall of fame on monday do it on thursday who gives a shit you know people are gonna go anyway regardless of what day you put it on people are gonna go but yeah take over on friday many on saturday many on sunday it's, it seems like a no-brainer we've been saying it for years i don't i can't believe they still haven't done it yet i i mean you know it, they're just set up with the two brands to do it that way anyway you know it's you know they've got the two shows that they treat or at least try to treat as two different entities so um you know, yeah, if you're talking about the ability to draw two 50,000 plus houses, the rest of the schedule does not matter. You can manipulate the rest. You know, just do your takeover on Friday, do your dopey Hall of Fame on Wednesday or Thursday, and you're good. I mean, so that, that really isn't, uh, no, I guess 
now with SmackDown on Fridays, the whole WrestleMania schedule is going to be weird this year, right? So, oh right, yeah. But again, do the the takeover, do the takeover on Thursday, or do it on Saturday afternoon before WrestleMania. I mean, I don't know what kind of strain that would put on their production people, but then just do it on Thursday. Nah, they don't do give the a shit. <laughs> they don't give Wednesday. a shit anyway. Are you kidding? This company. I'm just saying. There's. I mean, yeah. if, if it were me. And I had the ability to draw those kind of that kind of money. I'm figuring out what to do with the other nonsense. To me, the priority would be the sixty thousand people I'm drawing two days in a row. Right. I'm right, worried right. about that, and and I'm going to let the rest, you know, fall into play. I'll figure out the rest. So, um, but this tells me that you know I'm even more confident. I always felt that that'd be the right thing to do, but and something that'd be worthy of trying. But now I'm I'm you know if New Japan could pull it off. There's no reason WWE can't pull it off successfully. Absolutely. All right, Joe, let's get to the other stuff. This uh, the show today, we're going to touch on the uh, New Beginning uh, cards that New Japan announced, both the Japanese New Beginning shows and the New Beginning in the USA shows. We have dates uh, and matches for all those. Uh, we're going to preview Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill, which is coming up this weekend. And uh, one of the two people will be there live. So try to guess who. It's in Dallas, Texas. So try to wild guess of who's going to be there live at Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. So we'll talk about that. Also, Joe, there is an NXT UK takeover. NXT UK takeover Blackpool Blackpool 2 is coming up this weekend as well. Uh, we're going to touch on that, preview that a little bit uh, as well. And then some sorted uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah news and notes. But, Joe, before we do that, though, I do need to ask you one thing. Do, do you make resolutions every year? Are you a New Year's resolution guy? I'm sure you are, Joe. I know you Never. <laughs> never? You've never made one? No, it's dopey. I don't do <laughs> that crap. Terrible, yeah, what are you talking to here? But let's let, I'm going to act like you said yes, Joe. And I'm going to say whatever your whatever your resolution was, you need to change that resolution because you need to change it to the resolution of having nicely trimmed balls. And that's because this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped. And they offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They're the best in men's grooming below the belt. Joe you know, there's people that are, we, we hear from all types of people and we, we've, we've been through it too, a little bit too, where guys, you know, you're, you're there using, you know, your hair trimmer, you're there using the straight razor to kind of clean that area. And it's never a good idea. It ends up bleeding and ends up hurting. It's just a fucking disaster. Like, what are you doing? Thankfully, Manscaped has made it a lot easier to groom your balls, gloom, groom your regions, get all ready, get all set to go. So Joe, you know, it's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this year, I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Joe, tell us about that Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Use it every day. Use it every day. They send you the razor specifically made to trim your nether regions. Okay. Uh, I use all the products they send me. TLB, she loves the ball toner. Says it smells tremendous. Okay. So the significant other in your life products as well. All soap. Rich, I use all of it. It's just a tremendous package, and they get a tremendous deal with Voices of Wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah, one, one of the important things that we mentioned, too, you, you know, you're not using the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. You're not stealing the TLB's razors and shaving your balls. It's just a lot easier to just have the Lawnmower 2.0, which comes in that Manscaped Perfect Package uh, 2.0. As you said, the, the Crop Reviver, this product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. As you said, these products smell good. Manly Sin is attractive. The TLB's got you bathing in this. Like, you have to put this stuff on every day, right? Like, you got to put it on your face, your armpits. Like, she wants that smell. She's, she's desiring 
that smell, which is good. That's exactly what you want. You got the nice balls. You got the nice smell. You're doing pretty well there, uh, Joe. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. Uh, so, yeah, you can get rid of those terrible underwear with the holes in them or whatnot because if you're smelling good and you're looking good and that region's all nice and get, get you know get some nice briefs on there get some nice boxers going so for sure so uh as we said you know we said this a few weeks ago and these these numbers are pretty startling here 85 percent of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff that's per dr drew 80 percent of women think men should manscape below the belt uh we think that number is probably even a little bit higher than that of the 80 percent uh, and 89 percent of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success so it's not only it's not only your success in the bedroom it's not only your success with a significant other it is also professional success guys you, you get out of that door and you're going i have nicely trimmed balls i am going to nail that meeting later today i don't know why it happens but 89 percent of men think that it's essential to professional success the nicely trim balls it's just a confidence thing i guess you're out there you're all puffy chested you're feeling good about your life you get nicely trimmed balls you're smelling good you got the nice boxer briefs you're going to nail that meeting you're going to nail whatever you need to do at work so uh good stuff there um so they have the lawnmower two- oh sir go ahead yeah yeah and let's face it Rich, most of the people listening to this show probably aren't exactly Ryan Gosling with the ladies. Okay? So <laughs> right, so you need every edge. You gotta use every right. edge. Yes, I I can attest to that for sure. Not not you. Obviously, you are one of the most attractive men uh, in the world. But like, yeah, it's a lot of us, you know, myself included, we need that extra little, you know. You know, the, the thing to get us over the top, get us, uh, you know, that extra little few points there. And yeah, that definitely uh, is, is what you can do here with Manscaped. So they, of course, have the, uh, the Lawnmower 2.0, which we talked about way better than the original Lawnmower. Uh, now trims at 6,000 strokes per minute, Joe. That's up from 4,000 per minute with the original Lawnmower. Uh, those numbers sound very, very high. I don't exactly know, but hey, 6,000 is better than 4,000. So I'm good with that. Uh, this is the big thing, though. The battery life has improved from just 15 minutes with the original Lawnmower to 60 minutes now with the Lawnmower 2.0. Joe, I can tell you, I, I use that thing very re- regularly as well. I have not once plugged mine in from the moment I got it. So they say 60 minutes on one charge. I feel like I've gotten even more than that on my first charge. I think I actually need to go find my charger because I don't know where exactly where it is because I haven't had to use it yet. And that's an awesome thing there too. Rechargeable batteries, no more double A's. And because of that, which is really cool too, you can also bring it in the shower with you. And that's where I use it as well. So you don't have to worry about getting electrocuted or any bullshit like that. So on one charge, 60 minutes, you cannot beat that really, really good stuff there. Um, so I've never charged it. Yeah, I've right. Like, and, and you have, I, think, I think you probably use it more than 60 minutes, right? We've had it for months. Yeah. I've never charged <laughs> it. I have no, honestly, Joe, Legit, I have no idea where the charger is. I better go find that after the show because I'm going to need it. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to be like ready to go. I'm ready to rear it up. And I'm like, fuck, where the hell's that goddamn charger? So, yeah, I've not I charged my, it yet. I, so. I shave my balls daily and I've never charged it once. That's pretty good. Can't beat that. Nothing else in your life you can go with every single day and not have to recharge it. So, uh, good stuff there. Now, here for the big deals 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code. V-O-W. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code V-O-W uh, at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with the code V-O-W at manscaped.com. Your balls and your significant other will thank you. So we definitely appreciate uh, Manscaped for their support of the Voice Wrestling flagship podcast. All right, Joe, let's get to uh, these new beginning news and notes here. But before we do any of that, though, we do have to say uh, some, some news coming out of New Japan is that uh, Manabu Nakanishi will be retiring in February. He is hanging up the boots. He's calling it a day. He uh, clearly read, or New Japan read, uh, your feedback on the World Tag League. They read my bio about him on the uh, in the New Japan ebook, which, by the way, you can download right now at voicewrestling.com, uh, because they said, all right, buddy, it's over. But really, like, you know, all joking aside, it was it, it was beyond time for Nakanishi to go. And we, we even talked about it on the, on the flagship a few weeks ago. Uh, he was looking like, 
progressively, I mean, like in the, even in the last six months, even in the last eight months, he looks terrible. So it's, it's, it, this is probably the best idea for everybody involved for Nakanishi to hang out the boots and for New Japan to quietly just kind of say, hey, look, your contract's up and uh, we're probably not going to renew it. So why don't you just say, you, you know, this is kind of one of those mutual things where it's like, hey, we're not going to renew you and we don't want you to go out in shame. So just retire and, and, and kind of have your hang, uh, you know, your head held high. But uh, what do you make of Nakanishi hanging the boots up uh, here in February? I mean, he looks like he's in physical pain every time he tries to move. Joe, did you see so, at, during the Liger thing at New Year Dash, he kneeled down? They had him kneel down because he's a tall guy, obviously, so you want to kneel down or whatever, so he's not taking yeah. up the entire screen. Getting back up, oh my, you could hear it. I could hear it through my my screen. I could feel it. It's just like his knees. You could feel like when he went to go bend them to stand up, you could just hear him cracking and, and popping and air coming out of him. And you're just like, oh, God, like it's over, dude. It's over. And, and then I heard, obviously, the, the next day that, 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 he, that he was calling it quits. And I think that's the better move for, for everybody involved. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, but Naoki Sano announced his retirement as well. He's going to wrap it up. Um, that one was funny too because I saw people online like, "Oh no, Naoki Sano's retiring!" Oh my god! First of all, the guy like he worked in the grungiest little <laughs> indies possible. He <laughs> almost never makes tape. And, and if you saw that guy wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, why on earth would you want to see more of that? I mean, come on, he did not look good at all. Um, so I don't know. People get real, real emotional about retirements. I'm not judging anybody. It's like it's just not. I feel almost like I'm coming off cold when it comes to some of this stuff, especially with Liger. Rich, are you someone who wrapped up and wrestlers hanging it up? Is it because we see so many wrestlers lie about it and come back? Could that be it? Or could it be again because we're sports fans and we see retire constantly and maybe it's just different because we just know that's the way it goes. You get old and you move on. And um, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like, I have an appreciation for all these wrestlers, but I don't get like emotional about them finishing up. I couldn't imagine like spending one second being emotional about Naoki Sano never wrestling again. I, 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 that's just not me. Um, where do you stand on that kind of stuff? Were you, were you like, I haven't really heard you talk about it. Were you like choked up about Liger? So, so choked up's maybe not the right to me. Like, and, and it kind of it lumps in with Nakanishi as well. I will talk about a moment during New Year's Dash where I did kind of they, they they did get me for a little bit uh, there. But uh, the the thing with yeah. Liger and Nakanishi and, and Sano to a lesser extent is that like these guys are old and they've been wrestling for thirty years. So it's like it's one thing if like a guy is retired when he's twenty eight because of like some hip issue or like his neck is you know like that sort of stuff will get me because it's like fuck this guy still has so much to give to the wrestling world and so much to you know so much of his career ahead of him and like even in in, in sports like those guys that have to retire because of some horrible you know life altering injury or whatever those things get me because it's like fuck man that, that was like that dude's life and now at you know twenty nine it's over like now what does he do for the rest you know but like these guys it's like no dude Nakanishi's been wrestling you know wrestled five thousand matches or some shit you know Liger's been wrestling for thirty plus years or whatever like i i instead treat it as like hey let's remember how good they were and let's remember how important they were that's that's kind of why we did the liger beat series at voice wrestling it was not necessarily because i wanted to like cry about him retiring but more just celebrate his career like hey dude this guy wrestled for since you know before i was born he was like an active wrestler for three or four years before i was even born and like that's that's to be celebrated like that's like really goddamn cool that he was around for that long and and is still as healthy as he is and now he can retire and and 
he'd retire and, and, and presumably live a pretty okay life. Like he's not wheelchair bound, you know, he can walk. He's, he's, he's fine. Like that sort of stuff is kind of cool. And that's, you know, when, when I talk about the things that kind of got me on, on the new year's dash or got me on, on, you know, the Liger retirement ceremony, wasn't anybody kind of bowing to him or giving him the flowers or whatever. But the thing that got me was when like, it was his kid and his wife got in the ring there. And it was like this cool, like humanizing of Liger, like, Oh yeah. Like he's going to take that mask off. And now he's just a dude. Like now he can just live his life and hang out with his wife and, and, and do fun things with his kids. And he's bopping him on the head and whatever. And, like that was cool. That got me. That was the only thing on that entire you know ceremony that was. I was just like, oh fuck, that's like that's like cool because it's like I, I could see anybody being in that situation when when you're doing something for so long and now you can finally go home and 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 you know spend time with your family and spend time with your wife and do all that sort of like that was really cool. So that that's the only part that choked me up a little bit during that entire Legger uh, retirement ceremony was seeing yeah seeing his wife and his kid in there and, and just knowing that now you know those the mask comes off and now he's just you know, the dad, he's Kichi Yamada, the guy, you know, and that's, that's really cool. That That's a cool thing to, to look at. And, and, and that's kind of how I'm with Nakanishi too. It's like, well, the guy's retiring, like after like 30 plus years of wrestling and like a pretty good career. And obviously he won the, you know, the heavyweight title one time. And, and, you know, he's, he's, he's well-respected or whatever. He's not shamed. He's not shunned. He's I presumably not retiring into like, you know, poverty or whatever. Like, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get like choked up and sad about it. I'm going to be happy that, Hey, we got to see this guy for a bunch of years. He got to live a very fulfilled career and a very fulfilled life and now he's going to move on to the next chapter of his life but yeah I, I i don't get choked up over like old dudes retiring that that's not a big deal for me like the same thing happened sports wise like my two favorite athletes almost of all time were, were dirk and vince carter and i'm lucky that both those dudes played into you know their 40s or whatever and dirk retired last year and i, I didn't get emotional because i was like dude i watched this guy play for 20 plus years and it's been awesome like he was great and now he's retiring on the top you know still presumably you know pretty decent at basketball but he's decided on his own terms hey i'm i'm, I'm done and i'm out of here and I'm, I'm i'm good and and the same thing's happening right now with Vince Carter he's going through his last year he's the first guy ever to play you know in four different decades and like that's really cool and like I'm not going to get sad that Vince Carter's gone I'm just gonna be happy that I got to watch this guy for 20 plus years play in the NBA so that's that's where I maybe differ from some people where where some people do get very emotional and very choked up when people leave or when people go away but I mostly think of I, I try to think of the good times I try to think of the celebration of when that when when they were around and when they were you know playing or wrestling or doing whatever and think of it positively like that. So that's where I don't get necessarily choked up in the same way. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can, I can live without seeing Manabu Nakanishi ever, you know, struggle his way through a match again. I don't know. I, it, you know, Liger at least could still go. No, and that ceremony at New New Year Dash was very nice. I enjoyed watching it, and like everybody else, I watched it with a smile on my face. I like seeing his wife and his son getting there, and um, you know Okada taking the selfie, you know, and um, you know his son like awkwardly putting up the fist for the picture. Like I'm not a wrestler. What am I putting up my fist for? Like the little moments like that, you know. And Tanahashi losing it and uh, and crying a little bit there, and you know, and 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 seeing how everybody shake his hand and bow to him, that stuff was cool. Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Manabu Nakanishi, uh, Naoki Sano. I mean, come on, I've been I've seen I've seen enough of these guys. Okay, it's, it's I don't, you know, I, I don't need to see any more Nakanishi. And well, after well, wrestling, stay tuned. Too. Stay tuned for a Kurosawa rewatch project that we have going on in Voice of Wrestling right now. <laughs> hey, I'm all I, I'm all about that. You know? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I mean, you know, but and, and he Naoki, broke what is, uh, a rotary animal? Right, he broke his neck. Right, was it animal or hawk? I forget which one he, he whose he neck broke he broke. Arm. No, he broke Hawk's arm. That's right, a Hawk's arm. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was a big angle. That, you know, let me tell you something, though. Everyone remembers that angle. Everybody remembers that angle. So it was obviously memorable, 
and and worked. And uh, it's probably the only memorable thing Kurosawa did on that run. You know, it's like, do you remember any other specific no. Kurosawa <laughs> moments from no. WCW? Do you remember him breaking Hawk's arm? Absolutely. That's a big. That's a big moment. You know. Uh, do whatever it is he did on those two through those two. I mean, I don't, why would I ever want to watch that guy wrestle again? I mean, geez, go watch the matches against Liger from 89. If you want to see, you know, Sato, why would you want to watch him, you know, struggle as a 55 year old man, you know, on some fucking shitty, you know, tradition show with 300 people in the crowd, you know? So it's like, I, 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 sometimes I, I, I don't get it, but, um, you know, I'm probably just an asshole if we're really being honest here. Well, I, I think sometimes you like seeing people retire maybe while they still have some, you know, function or whatnot. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, cause I'm that way too. I don't really want to watch like, like people bring it up all the time. Like Willie Mays on the Mets. We're just like, Oh dear God, <laughs> like, like, please just yeah, yeah. go away, man. Like, like we love you, Willie, but it's, it's, it's like where that's not like if he had just, ha- you know, left still in, you know, his, it, not prime, but like left, you know, while he was still a pretty decent player, it would have been, but it was just like, Oh dude, like and it becomes kind of a joke and you kind of laugh at it a little. And that's kind of what Nakanishi's become like in the last year we've kind of point, pointed and laughed at this guy and went like, Jesus Christ, this guy can't move. He can't bend his knees. Like, what's he doing? Like, So he's like well beyond this point where I think he needs to retire. So yeah, I'm not going to get all choked up and sad about this guy who can barely move not wrestling anymore. It's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He had a, you know, any, any one of those young lions would sign up for Nakanishi's career today. Any one of them. So it's like the guy had a great career. You know, he had 30 years or whatever it was in pro wrestling. He was an IWGP champion for a short time. You know, he was always near at or near at least, you know, for mid card. So, you know, that's something to be celebrated for sure. So, you know, that's not, I'm not, you know, I want to be clear on my point here. It's just, I'm not, you know, I, I'm watching everybody get chalked, you know, choked up over Liger and stuff. And I'm not having that reaction. And I'm like, am I a serial killer? What's wrong with me? But I really do think some of it is, is, is the sports fan in me. I mean, I don't know. I see players retire all the time. And I, I don't know. I just think it's, it's, it's what you do. You, you know, I wish I honestly, I think more wrestlers should retire if we're being honest. about it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish these guys were better with their money or had some fucking hobbies or whatever the case may be. And honestly, I think more of these fucking guys should hang it up because you know, it just it tarnishes their legacies in a lot of ways. I mean, I get it, especially American wrestler. You know, they blow their money and they need to wrestle. I understand. I get it. You know, but in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to see any of these legends. You know, uh, in the state that Nakanishi has been in for the last couple of years. You know, I, I don't want to. Why would you want to see that? So, but Liger. I mean, obviously this was a guy who could still go out there and have a four-star match. I mean, he's a totally different case, but, uh, to get your quick take on that. Yeah. I, and honestly, I'm just looking for someone to make me not feel like so much of a douche. So thank you. <laughs> right. I, I appreciate it kind of, but, um, yeah. I, and, and get used to this by the way, cause there's a lot of, I don't want to say, I'm not gonna say dead weight, but there's a lot of old weights in, in new Japan right now. And I cannot imagine that that Tenzan's very far behind. Um, either so I, I could see that the, the dads are 
you know, there's a new generation of, of, of older guys in this company right now that kind of need to take over those spots and, and, and kind of fall to the back or whatever. And, and, and yeah, these guys have been around for a lot of the t- entire time. People have watched New Japan, your Nakanishis, your, 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 your Tenzans, your, your Ligers, you know, to a lesser extent, your Kojimas who can still fucking go. Uh, so I hope they don't do that to him or whatnot because he could just go to another company and just fucking rock uh, no matter what. But like, yeah, get, get used to this because I think there are a few more guys that, that, that are probably due uh, for this sort of you know, sent out to pasture thing, especially if new Japan is going to be as loaded as they are, uh, you know, roster wise. So yeah, just, just well, I, that's I, all I, say. I get used to it a little bit. I think these guys call their own shots on that, but like if they can go, I don't mind. I like Yuji Nagata. They're, I, I, yeah. No I, reason I for Nagata right now, but Ten- Tenzan's no, definitely due to def- Tenzan's definitely due to get that. Tenzan has got to go. I mean, he, he is very close to Nakanishi land in terms of this is painful to watch. And I love Tenzan and he seems like a real affable guy. And, and, you know, and, 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 and I loved watching him over the years, but it's like the state of his foot and the way he's moving around and, and, and what becomes a problem is like the problem I had with Nakanishi this year. It's really hard to suspend disbelief that Hiroshi Tenzan is beating up these 25 year old young lions who are in the prime of their athletic shape. And you can't, when you when you can't buy into these guys anymore, I'd rather they retire. It's like I don't know. It's like I I don't even know the analogy to make, but I don't know. I I don't want to watch Tenzan in this state. What entertainment value is there in it? You know, and it's like when it comes to athletic performance, I'm not really in. I'm not big into nostalgia because we have New Japan World. If I want to watch Tenzan kick ass, I'll go watch something from 1998. I'm not going to watch him struggle to run the ropes and and look like shit in 2020. So, so yeah, I mean, he's he's got to be the next one. He has to be. I, I mean, it's not going to get any better for him. I don't let these guys call their own shots. I mean, I, you know, if, if he wants to work openers and work with the Young Lions... For five more years, I'm mean, God. I couldn't even imagine what he's going to be like in 2025. <laughs> God, and they're going to—they're probably going to let him. They're probably going to let him do that, you know. So, all right, let's get to these uh, new beginning shows here. I'm going to start with the uh, new uh, new beginning in uh, uh, Japan ones, and then we'll kind of work our way uh, to the new beginning in U.S. and and kind of the first of the New Japan of America uh, shows here. But we'll start with uh, new beginning in Sapporo, uh, Saturday, February first. Uh, the big matches on this one: Hiroki Goto versus Shingo uh, in your main event for the Never Openweight Title. Uh, Evil versus Tomohiro Ishii. Okada and Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki and Taichi. Uh, and then Naito and Sonata versus Kenta and Jay White are kind of the top four matches uh, from that Sapporo show. Joe, do you want me to stop or do you want me to kind of keep going uh, and do all the shows uh, together? No, stop. We should okay. break down each one. So this has Goto and Shingo on top. And I saw some people raise some eyebrows, and I'm not sure why. Okay. Shingo's a star. I hate to break this. He's a star. First of all, he's LIJ. He's been a star. One, <laughs> like, where the fuck have you idiots been? Like, he's been a star. And on top of that, yeah, he's just been. He's a, he's a fucking legitimate star at this point. And Goto's a guy who you can always throw in the main event of the third, you know, new begin. They're doing three new beginning shows, and this is the third one on the chain. There's no reason you can't put a guy like Goto in the main event of a show like that. You can main event with Goto a couple times a year. 
You know, he's his credibility and, and is, is a guy who's headlined before. He's never going to fill up the dome, but he can draw on a show like this. And you look, and, and with everything they have underneath on this show, come on, I'm not worried about the show drawing a nice crowd. I don't know if it's going to sell out, but it's not going to be a bomb at the gate. No way. And, you know, Goto's talking about wanting to unify the never with Naito's titles. So, listen, I hope they do it, and I hope Goto Dork. wins. And I want to come through three hours of this show. I, I welcome I just, that, Joe. Yeah, I welcome that. Yeah, go ahead. I just get to fucking dunk on you for three hours for calling this guy uh, 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 a geek. When he is the triple crown champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> this is when a plan all comes together. Okay, this has been, you know, listen, I've been talking to my man. Eight years, eight years, eight years in the making here. God, longer. When, when, was this, when was his first New Japan Cup win? God, that had to be. All of those. <laughs> all those title all, losses. All of those championship losses are building to unifying the three belts. And it's going to be three belt Goto, one around his waist, one around each shoulder. Wouldn't he look badass with one belt around his waist and two over each shoulder? Oh, come on. He's a badass looking <laughs> he's guy. A bad, he's a big dude. He'd make the, he, 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 def- he definitely could wear three belts for sure. And it'll become an iconic picture like uh, great Sasuke holding up the nine belts. Yeah, right? Muta, Muta has that so, great photo, too, of uh, you know, him draped in, in, in title belts. Yeah, Goto's the next one. Will, be, will he be yeah. under a waterfall uh, when he's taking that picture? No. You know, honestly, he should do it just to, just to mock everybody and say, I told you. This is Goto's time. I think it can happen. Yeah, um, he's got to stop but, with this stuff. <laughs> he always sets himself up for this. The but, G, but, but it's, <laughs> he's such a dork. I, the G and G1 no, stands for Goto. And then he fucking loses. And he wears the shirt after the G1. It's like, you dork. <laughs> yeah, he wore the shirt after he after lost the, the G1. G1. But listen, he wasn't even in the semifinals. He wasn't even in contention. It's like coming to your postseason Listen. press conference and you're like champion, you know, you're, you're wearing like, you know, a Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champion t-shirt when you're doing a press conference after you like bow out in the divisional round. It's like, no, dude, you got to take that off. Can't be wearing that shirt still. There are two wrestling shirts I'd ever wear. One is G1 is for Goto. <laughs> that would absolutely rock that shirt. And I want one of those. And the other is the old Gato and Jado shirt that said, we are Gato and Jado. Fuck you. Yeah, that, that's a great, that that's one a I would wear, shirt. too. That's a good shirt. But, but, that, but that's it. But the more likely outcome <laughs> is that Goto, after talking all that shit, is going to eat Last of the Dragon in the center of the ring. Where's this show? Sapporo? Where Sapporo. Is this? Yeah, Sapporo. Okay. He's eating that Last of the Dragon <laughs> in his first offense. <laughs> Shingo continues his elevation up the card. I mean, Shingo's winning this match, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, from a booking perspective, though, match, I, I, I mean, I love Goto, but I love Shingo, too. Unless Shingo's going to have one of them, you know, three-match series against Goto that they like to do, then he can lose. Because if he comes out of the feud, Winning two straight and with the title, I'm okay with that. But I think it would be weird for Goto to beat Shingo and then Shingo just, you know, dicks off in some tag matches for a few weeks until New Japan Cup. That'd be weird to me. Yeah, I would strike while they aren't. So where do you stand on that? Who should 
Sorry, not to interrupt, but I would say, yeah, I, I'd strike while the iron top. Like, let, let's not fuck around with this. Let's not jack around. Let's not spend weeks and months building this up. Let's just, Shingle wins. Shingle's in the never. He's not a junior anymore, and he's ready to go. Like, I, I think in one night you can make him elevate him, and he's ready to go. Like, why, 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 would, waste, why would you waste your time going back and forth? And like you said, yeah, you could do that where Hiroki Goto beats him the first time, and Shingle's got to kind of figure it out against the heavyweights and, and, and go against tag matches, and then he gets another shot at him down the line, and then he beats him that time. Like, you can do that story, but, like, why? I, I, to me, it's like you know what you want to do with Shingo, and, and this is, like, we're talking about Gato here, who, who's, who will wait and wait and wait and wait for guys. But to me, it's like this is set up, I think. This is tailor-made for Shingo to get in there, beat Goto, "Quote unquote," shock the world and just start his elevation right away, and, and get going. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. I wouldn't hate it though if they had three matches and Shing and Shingo won two of them. I, I wouldn't hate that, but um, you know, because I don't think it's, I don't think being in a feud with Go- with Goto and losing a match to him is like embarrassing. It's not like losing to Yoshihashi, you know. So. But but yeah, I would I would just have him win the belt and move on to what else is on the show that matters. What's the other? Uh... Yeah, otherwise, not a ton of stuff that really sticks out. You have Evil versus Ishii, which I think will be a pretty fun match. Uh, Okada and Moxley versus Suzuki and Taichi, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then you have Naito and Sonata versus Kenta and Jay White, which I think is all kind of the the standout oh, oh. matches so far. The uh, the night night one. Yeah, well, those two tags are just setting up the bigger singles matches later on in the tour. So, but they're really good tags, but that's, that's what those are. So, um, yeah, Ishii and evil. Yeah. I mean, I really thought they'd do that match in America and I guess we'll get to those shows later, but, uh, okay. So what's, uh, so that's the first night in Sapporo. They're going back to back nights in Sapporo. They are. Yeah. So night two in Sapporo, Sunday, uh, September or or February 2nd, I should say, uh, your main event, Okada and Taichi. Okada and Taichi is your main event. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Versus Will Ospreay for the British heavyweight title. Let's go, Joe. I think the last time they had a singles match, were you in attendance? Was that that, or, or did they have one re- more recently than that? Um, not sure. They, I, I mean, it might be. Because if that so, be fuck. It's <laughs> like one of the best matches of the year. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll work that style in this no. one. But yeah, those two guys can, yeah, I mean, they're going to have a... Let me see. That's uh, hard to believe that they've been kept apart since that. But I don't think they were in the same G1 block this year, right? Or no, they were. They were. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. They were in the same G1 block this year. So never mind. I don't even remember that match. Hmm. This match was one of the best live matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, That was the uh, 2016 Dallas uh, on an Evolve show. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they've. that's the second, you know, like Ishii Evil, I thought would be on the U.S. tour. I thought this match would be in Rev Pro. Yeah, I'm stunned that they would put this on. You know, <laughs> New Beginning in Sapporo. But uh, to prove how how big of an asshole, five, they've had five matches since uh, that match. So yeah. I was so, I was very wrong. But hey, that's all right. That's that's the one I remember. They, um, so. I thought for sure this being your call on a big Rev Pro show. Um, maybe they'll do a rematch there or something. But yeah, those are the top two, and that, and that just shows you, you know, they feel like. They can put Okada versus just about anybody in a main event of a big building and be confident in that. I don't have any. Do you have any uh, doubts that the second of two nights, Taichi, not exactly a super strong main eventer? Do you have any doubts this will draw? Do you have any questions? Nah, hell no. It's Okada. Dude, it's Okada. He's a fucking megastar, man. Yeah, they're going to suck. Confidence in Okada. Yeah. And a great semi main event. 
Yeah, and agrees to So what else is on this of consequence? Uh, really, n- the- really not a whole yeah, lot else. Tags, but- yeah, not, not a ton. Which, yet. which I mean... Go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah, sorry. We're having connection issues, if you can't tell, uh, this night. But uh, otherwise, uh, Naito, Sonata, and Hiromu uh, versus Kenta, Jay White, and Taiji Shimori. So that's that's pretty fun. But yeah, not really. Like, you know, it's just kind of your your standard kind of boilerplate, you know, six-man. Uh, Moxley, Rapongi 3K, and Taguchi versus Suzuki, Desperado, uh, Kanemaru, and Dookie. Dookie's coming back, Joe. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, yeah, not really. El Phantasmo versus uh, Gabriel Kidd. Uh, is on this one, so Gabriel Kidd uh, making his, uh, I think, would that be his official debut with New Japan? Yeah, so Gabriel Kidd is coming in for this tour from the uh, LA Dojo. Uh, Shibata took a liking to him, and he's been in the LA Dojo. But the thing is, like, he's wrestling Phantasmo, but he's it's 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 going to be a squash. He's going to be, he's a young lion right now. But that's just another, you know, prospect that they have in the hopper. I mean, did you notice that there were like a thousand young lions at ringside at Wrestle Kingdom from like four different countries? Yeah. It's, it's oh just my god. Crazy. Yeah, they, they're fucking stacked, man. You saw at the end of the ring, it was like every there was a new guy holding the ropes open every single time, and then yeah, somebody did a dive to the outside and took out like twenty dudes, and I'm like, holy shit, they're stacked. And you know, like given how you know the track record that like most of those guys are going to end up being something, which is is, is scary <laughs> for other for other wrestling promotions that they're just fucking ready to go and and and, and rearing and and it's a testament to their their schools. You got the dojo, you got the Fale dojo, you got what's you know bubbling up in, in terms of like people that can send over to to Red Pro. You got their normal dojo, like they're ready to go, man. They're they're fucking loaded for the next few years. Yeah, and it's not just that they are loaded with bodies and quality bodies, but you trust their training, right? You know. Um, you know what Shibata has done in LA. I mean, those guys are great. They're already great. Like, it's just so, you know, those guys had matches at the LA Dojo guys, the Wrestle Kingdom opener on night one, and the opener at New Year Dash. You know, outside of the high end top of the card stuff was like the best stuff of the undercards on all of those shows. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, work and everything, those guys were working stiff, they were intense. All Fredericks, of course, but the other but the other guys don't get enough attention. You know, Coughlin and Connors. So I'm sure Gabriel Kidd, a guy who people liked even before, you know, with all of that training he's been getting in the LA Dojo. And obviously we know how good their dojo is in Japan. And then you got the wheelman down in uh Oceana there training people too. So I mean it's just incredible the amount of talent they have. But uh but yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing him in a singles match. Uh, so that's the two nights in Sapporo. Um, I think both shows will draw well. It, it just goes to show how much confidence they have in Okada too, because they really didn't give him much on that card. Uh, outside of the one, you know, strong semi-main event. Uh, and then the final of the New Beginning show, New Beginning in Osaka. That's Sunday, February 9th. Uh, the main event of that one, of course, is going to be Naito versus Kenta for the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, also on the show, Moxley versus Suzuki for the uh, United States title, which I think is interesting. We'll talk about that uh, here in a sec. Uh, Hiromu versus Rio Lee for the uh, junior heavyweight title. And also Sonata versus Jay White. So Osaka is fucking packed, man, for February 9th. That is a loaded, loaded show. Osaka Joe Hall, right? Yep. So, um, you know, you had to load it up, and they did. And quite honestly, as hot as that Naito Kenta match is, I'm not even sure they had to. You know, you might have been able to move one of those matches and give Okada a little bit of help in Sapporo because, um, you know, Kenta is just on fire right now. I mean, 
he's a red hot heel, and that match against Naito feels real hot to me. I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like a super hot match. And um, yeah, I think they're going to sell that building out with that lineup. I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't. I mean, that is fucking loaded, you know? So uh, four big singles matches. And the other thing about this tour is you've got Moxley working the entire tour, which kind of fits with what we've been telling people. Moxley's going to be working more New Japan this year. You're going to see him. He's not going to work every tour, okay? But you're going to see him on more tours than you saw him on last year. Like this, where he's working every night and working all the big shows. So, um, you know, he's going to have to work around AEW. And, you know, that's... This is not a guy who to go out there and work 30 matches a year. He's very much into pro wrestling now. And he loves Japan. And he loves working in New Japan. And, you know, we heard he was going to be working more dates for them this year. And bam, right out of the gate. Full tour with three major shows. Semi-main event in Osaka Joel. So... Uh, and what else? We had Sonata versus uh, what was that match? Sonata, Sonata versus, versus Jay White. That uh, oh boy, <laughs> that so, could be good or that could be bad. That's is that's going to be well, a match for sure. That's the log off Twitter match <laughs> for sure because it's you know it, it it really that that's the kind of match where people want it to be bad so badly so that they can dunk on it that even if it's good, they're going to dunk on it. You, you know what I mean? So it's like, because these are two very divisive wrestlers that a lot of people think legitimately are bad wrestlers, which if you think Jay white is a bad wrestler, I seriously question your ability to assess pro wrestling. And that might insult some people. Rich, over the years, I've insulted some people. <laughs> you have. And I don't really care if I'm insulting people at analyzing pro wrestling. If you can't see that Jay White is very good at this, then I don't know what you're watching. It may not be what you want to see. And I totally get that. That's a different discussion. But for what Jay White is attempting to do, isn't he does an excellent job and you know we got deeper into that behind the paywall earlier this week too but it's like you combine jay white who a lot of people can't stand his style and then you have sonata who a lot of people just think flat out stinks my god i can see that being a match that just is is you know where people are just have feasting look it might end up being a bad match i don't love every jay white match even though I think he's an excellent pro wrestler and tremendous at what he does, all of his matches don't land for me. And him wrestling Sonata, if it's a bad night for Sonata and a Jay White match that just doesn't land, that could legitimately be a bad match. But it has to be really good, too. 
Yeah, both those guys are can fluctuate so much and so rapidly, even for me. And I, I, I like both guys, but there's sometimes where Sonata and it's just like that didn't work, and and a lot of times for JY too, where it just like doesn't work. Even though I, I like it when those guys work, they're like two of my favorite wrestlers, you know, going right now. It's just yeah, there's such a high variance for those two guys that uh, hopefully they're both on on the same time and, and and they can make it work. And then yeah, the third from the top there is Hiromu versus Ryu Lee, of course the former Dragon Lee for the junior heavyweight title, and that's you know, God, there's a story, <laughs> the best story ever is like those two dudes have incredible matches every single time they face each other and now there's the edit story of the last time they were in the ring together you know one-on-one you know dragon lee broke his neck and then Roman was out for a year plus so uh this is fucking loaded man this osaka show i don't think enough people are talking about how in- ungodly loaded the show is no and that's one of the greatest in-ring rivalries of all time <laughs> right fourth from the top <laughs> right you know and, and and like you said with that with that built-in story and quite honestly Within 30 seconds of the bell, Dragon Lee needs to dump Hiromu on his head. I, I really believe that's how. And then from there. And Hiromu got dumped on his head plenty by Will Ospreay. So I don't want to hear this bullshit that, you know, you're not going to do. No. Within the first 30 seconds of that, Herman suplex. I, I firmly believe that because then that's the best story. But um, are you a little surprised... They didn't go at Robbie Eagles right out of the gate after he beat Hiromu in Cork and Hall. Yes and no. I think no, I, no, because I think because it's in Osaka. If this was New Beginning in whatever, not Osaka Joe Hall. Let's say that New Beginning in anywhere else but Osaka Joe Hall. Any New Beginning in uh, whatever the, the Body Maker Coliseum or whatever the hell I forget Edian or whatever it is. It, it is now. I think you might have seen Hiromu versus Robbie Eagles or Hiromu versus whoever. But I think that they know how important that is, and they know how they they really really want to have a great crowd here right out of the gates, right after Wrestle Kingdom at Osaka Joe Hall. So you got to go with the big guns. I don't know if you can if you can feel confident that Robbie Eagles and Hiromu is going to get you those ticket sales. Whereas I think Hiromu and Dragon Lee, the added story, the added rivalry with those, they've obviously treated Dragon Lee like a, a, a pretty big deal. That added little caveat of those two guys fighting, I think will, will help sell some tickets as well. So I think, y- yes, ideally you would have had Eagles versus Hiromu probably first, but you're playing big boy ball here in Osaka Joe Hall. So you got to bring out the big guns like right away. So uh, th- for that reason, I- I'm not totally surprised. Do you think that they forget about that pinfall and just move move on from that and and or or do you think that they're they keep that one in their back pocket i think it's back pocket just because it's it, it's a proxy for will always so there's a good way to kind of tell that story whenever you need to that that he is sort of the the representative for will and like they're going to go back to that anyway cuz it's lij versus chaos like eventually at some point that will be the match because he is going to be the, the de facto chaos junior. So at some point they're going to do it. I, I I can't tell you it's going to be in March. I can't tell you if it's going to be in April or whatever. I think they're going to do it at some point, whether that story plays into it again, I don't know, or they just develop a new story out of it where, you know, it's just LIJ versus chaos and, and Eagles is just the representative, but th- th- that match will happen this year. I think almost, almost definitely at some point this year. So what's more likely Hiromu, uh, Loses to Megan Lee, and then they have another match in, in a month, and he wins it back. Or or Hiromu beats Dragon Lee, and then Robbie Eagles does the New Japan walk down the ramp and grabs the mic and says, not forget, buddy, I just pinned you on December, whatever the fuck. You know, I'm next in line, whatever. And then they set up that match. I think that's definitely the more likely scenario. 
Uh, more like I don't think <laughs> Ryu Lee's beating Hiromu right now. I think Hiromu was set up for a long title reign here, so I do not think he's losing here. Uh, so I think Hiromu wins this match. And then, yeah, it's, it, if any scenario is going to happen, if he yeah. doesn't just walk to the back, it's Robbie Eagles coming out there and challenging him for for whatever the next you know big event is. I think that's the, definitely the more likely scenario. Ryu Lee is not winning this title. Yeah, see, I agree. I think because I don't think Hiromu can lose yet. I think if he wins, you can't do another Dragon Lee match. So that's where you have Robbie Eagles come into play. And Robbie Eagles is a perfect guy to give another defense that Hiromu will, will get through as they build up his, his, uh, his title reign here. Cause he's not going to lose the Robbie Eagles, especially since he lost to him last time in the tag. So then he gets through Robbie Eagles and then, you know, you go where you go from there. Now we're playing four steps ahead and it's too hard to project out, but, uh, yeah, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think he wins that match. Is Rob- Robbie Eagles is on the tour, right? We're going to look really stupid if he's not. Uh, he's tour. on the tour. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. wrestling in just random so, ass chaos, you know, multi man matches. He's doing stuff, so. He's doing prelim tags, right? Right. So, yeah. So on night one, actually, the first Sapporo, it's it's Hiromu and Bushi uh, versus Rio Lee and Robbie Eagles. So that's an interesting little thing there. Well, Bushi's getting pinned by Lee, right? So so you know the the thing to watch with Robbie Eagles are his two matches in Sapporo. If he scores falls in those matches, and I don't even know what they are. Yeah, the, the, night two, not to interrupt, night two is Goto, Ishii, and Eagles versus Shingo, Evil, and Bushi. So there's there's a weird outside chance that he could maybe, but I doubt it, but but maybe. <laughs> he could beat Bushi there. He could beat Bushi. Anyone could beat Bushi. So, um, yeah. I would just keep an eye on on how Eagles is booked on the tour. Now, if he's... If he's eating a bunch of pins, they're not going to have him march out. If he's scoring pins left out of the decisions, then who knows? But to me, it'd be real weird that he beat Hiromu and then they don't do anything off of that. That doesn't make any sense. Right. That's not how they usually do. If that were the case. Yeah. 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 That's so. So anyway, so that's, uh, the four top matches. Is there anything outside of those singles in Osaka Joe Hall that is? Uh... Oh, geez, I, I completely skipped this one. Uh, Rapongi 3K versus El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemoro for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. Listen, but to me, Pongi 3K's best opponents have been Despi and Kanemoro. So. Um, and to me, Despi and Kanemuro have been the junior team that have been the glue of that division for the last two or three years. Yeah. So I would really keep an eye on that. That's a sleeper match. It should be good. Yeah. yeah time might be in it. <laughs> How hilarious would it be if Desperado and Kanemuro win the titles there? They're not going to, but Jesus. I mean, it wouldn't stun me at all. You know, it's like Rapongi 3K wins the titles early year and then Rapongi 3k wins the, the the tournament and then and it's rinse repeat so that shouldn't shock anybody you know and Kanemoro and Despi are probably might be my favorite tag team in the company tag team but I'll be rooting against them because I want to see Rapongi 3k just have that trademark title run that they've never had they've had those titles for three separate reigns and have only had one successful defense. You know, and that's it's time for them to have a a, a trademark title run. 
All right, let's get to these uh, these new beginning in USA shows as well. So there's one, two, what, three, four, five that we have to talk about here. Five, five. new beginning in USA shows uh, here. We'll start out number one, uh, January 24th in Tampa. January 24th in Tampa is the first of these new beginning in USA shows. Uh, main event of that night is elimination match. Uh, Tanahashi, Kotobushi, Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Rocky Romero versus Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Yujiro Takahashi, Chase Owens, and Jado in an elimination match there on the main event of Tampa on the 24th. I'll, let me run down the whole card, and then you can uh, jump in uh, with your thoughts here. Yoshihashi oh, versus Lance Archer. Up. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Give me the main events, the singles matches, and then any tag team, two versus two tag team matches that are with no young lions. Give me, we don't have to go through the entire card on all five of these. Just yeah, give yeah, me yeah. that stuff on these shows. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I said that elimination match. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Lance Archer. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Alex Zane. Jeff Cobb versus Alex Zane, I thought pretty interesting there. Uh, and this one, even though it is featuring a young line, I think is actually uh, relatively important here, or pretty interesting. Uh, TJP and Carl Fredericks versus Colt Cabana and Toru Yano. Uh, for that one. So oh, that's, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that, again, like the other young lions are teaming with, you know, either themselves or old guys. And this is Carl Fredericks again, <laughs> moved up a ladder, you know, teaming with TJP against Cabana and, and, and Yano. So uh, interesting stuff there for the Tampa show uh, for New Beginning in USA. So, first of all, I want to address the idea. A lot of people were upset by these cards. And on one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I do not. It's, these are like 800 seat buildings in some cases up to like i think one of the buildings holds like three thousand but they're not setting it up for three thousand they're setting it up for far less than three thousand so what you're dealing with here are small to mid-sized buildings and their house shows in small to mid-sized buildings i'm really not sure what people were expecting in terms of cards you're getting some singles matches little main events you're getting a title match at the end of the tour with the tag team titles I, listen, you weren't getting Long Beach quality cards in front of 800 people in Nashville. I mean, if you thought you were getting that, your expectations were out of whack. These are essentially Road 2 shows. These are the same house shows that Japan is running in Japan, okay, concurrently. Some nights they're going to have two, two cards in the same night, one in America, one in Japan. If you compare these shows to the shows in Japan, they're way better. The, sh the house shows in Japan are nothing but six and eight man tags. Anything to sink your teeth into those Japanese road to shows. So you're getting better quality on these shows. And it's like these, are, to me, the show quality with these shows is, is, uh, is totally equal. I think you're getting shows that are that are that are a perfect fit for the venue size. It can't give you five pay-per-view caliber shows on a five-night swing through Nashville and Atlanta. They can't do that. This is what you were going to get. And I'm not saying you have to like the cards. You don't have to like the cards. I I can see why you don't like the cards. But this is always what they were going to give you and I I think these these cards are fair for the venue size. I don't think these cards are unfair. Uh, so when they go to MSG, you get one of the best, best lineups of the year. When they go to Dallas, you get a fucking G1 show. When they go to Long Beach and it's live on Axis, you get a loaded up show. Okay? When they come to Nashville, you're getting Lance Archer and Yoshihashi. I'm sorry. That's how it works. 
Okay, and, and it's like getting big time title matches, and and you know. So now here's the thing, Rich. If these shows do not draw, they have to reassess. They have to say to themselves, okay, we either have to bite the bullet and load up these shows off matches that we don't want to burn off if we want to draw. We're going to have to run even smaller buildings. If you're going to run even smaller buildings, what's the point? Right. Don't even come over here because you're not going to make any money. Okay. I don't think they're going to give away cards better than this in buildings of this size. The other way to fix this, okay, is if you do these, you know, tours, these five show tours, make the fifth show a, a, a C-level pay-per-view, right? Like Destruction in Bipu or something or Wrestling Dantaku or uh, New Japan Road, like something along those lines where, okay, you do the four shows, but then the, the tour ender, some big stuff on it. More than just the tag team title match that they're doing on this tour. You know, big time singles matches, the same kind of card you would get in Japan if it was a C show. You know, you could do that too. But again, and, and that I think you save for your biggest building at the end of the tour. So if, if this doesn't draw, they really do need to reassess. Okay. And so far, it doesn't seem to be drawing very well in the buildings where we have the information. Some of them aren't even on sale yet, and others we don't have a seating chart. But I don't think now I want your take on this, but I don't think these cards are unfair for the building size. What do you think? No, I, I don't either. And 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 this is it's 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 been this weird thing, this weird relationship with New Japan and USA and and the expectations of people in the USA and, and the expectations from a lot of people are, hey, you're coming to America and you're gonna have to bring you know your top cards to get the attention of American audiences or whatnot. And and that's not totally unfair. I do think that do they do need to bring good cards, and especially if they're gonna run some relatively big venues. Yeah, you're gonna have to bring like your goods and you're gonna have to bring you know, they, there was this weird thing where for a while there they were they were relying mostly on like their American talent and then they started realizing, okay, no 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 people in America want you know authentic Japanese shows when they're there and then we're going to give them a little bit more of the new Japan feel but it's in America and then we're going to do it. so there's been like this weird sort of feeling out phase for, for new Japan in America and what they're going to do and how they're going to roll these shows out but I was always under the impression when they officially announced that hey we are going to run in America new Japan of America that you were the, the days of like a big super show or a lot of super shows was kind of that was dead and gone. Like, I think you're still going to get your one random show. Like you said, MSG Dallas, a big show in Chicago, a big show in LA, like, like one or once or twice a year, I think you're going to get your big shows and, and, and your ones that matter. But if they're going to be running, you know, pretty consistently, like it looks that they are in America, then no, you're not going to be getting a Kota Bushi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi in fucking Durham, North Carolina. Like you're not getting that. You're getting, as you said, road to quality shows. You're getting house show quality shows. And, and, and I don't know if they're, I, I don't know what the fans expectations are. And I don't know, we're going to see what the ticket buying, you know, audience expectations are too, because these shows could bomb. And then it's like, all right, cool. All right, back to the drawing board. Let, let's figure it out. Like, I think last year, you know, the stuff that happened with the new beginning and the visa issues is one that we kind of almost have to throw out a little bit because it was just like they were dealt a, a terrible hand. The shows didn't deliver on the, the way they wanted them to. And that sort of stuff. A lot of stuff got caught up in that one. They, they have their ducks in a row now. Like this year is what they want. This is what they want out of this new Japan of America, which is them running, you know, smaller venues with, you know, these, like you said, house show road twos, those sort of style shows or whatnot. And people are just going to have to get used to it or 
if they're not going to get used to it, then don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like people won't buy tickets. These shows won't sell well. And then they're obviously going to have to change and, and do something different. Right. Or like you said, they might just have to say, well, fuck it. Then what the hell are we even doing in America? Why are we even bothering? Which honestly would probably be my, you know, given what these shows look like and, and looking at kind of the ticket sales so far for these shows, my opinion would be like, I don't think America needs any more live wrestling. Like I would almost, you know, bring a super show here once or twice a year and otherwise kind of just stay out of it because I don't know. Like, I don't know that in my life I really need these shows. Like, these shows are fine. They're they're pretty fun. Like, I'm excited to watch them. But like, I, I don't know that I would necessarily like drop everything and go travel for these shows. If they were this, the, you know, the the city over, would I be going to Indianapolis to watch one of these shows? Probably not. You know, if it was happening in Chicago, I'd probably say, yeah, fuck it, I'll go watch one of these shows. But like, yeah, it's it, they're not really jump off the page cards. But that's what we're gonna have to expect because they're running it like they're running house shows or road twos in Japan. And and you know, in Japan, there's smaller venues. It's the you know one time you know a few times a year. Japan, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling comes to your town, so you go and check it out. But are, are these cards and are these names enough to get people from, you know, Durham, North Carolina to show up to the show? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's they're not travel shows. That's for certain. No one's flying to these shows. You'll fly to Long Beach. You'll fly to a G1 show in Dallas. You'll fly to Madison Square Garden because they're those are big shows where you're going to get the big lineups. These are shows where they, they're not expecting, if people fly out to them, they'll take it. But these aren't travel shows. Okay. These are house shows leading up to the three big new beginning shows. These are road two shows. And, and like I said before, you're getting better shows than the people in Japan are getting. They're giving you singles matches, they're giving you big time main events, relatively speaking. These are basically Cork and Hall level shows. A lot of these shows, are better than your rank-and-file Cork and Hall show. And there's some Cork and Hall shows that are better than these five shows, but on average, these are basically Cork and Hall-level shows. You're getting Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi on this tour, and you're getting singles matches, and you're getting a title match at the end. Always shows, but these are shows that are fair to the venues that they're running, in my view. And they may not draw. And if they don't draw... They, they have to reevaluate how they're going to handle these things. But um, but anyway, so we got the elimination match on this show, which is, I mean, Rich, that's Cork and Hall main event. How many Cork and Halls have run with these elimination match main events? Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's not a surprise it's, to us. Like, these look like those shows. Like, these look like, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the undercard isn't filled with, like, tag matches setting up for the next big show. They're just like, you know, Yoshihashi and Lance Archer. So. Yeah, you're getting some singles matches, which... I would rather see singles matches than those six and yes, eight man tags. I agree. I would rather see singles matches with half the crew than six and eight man tags with the full crew. I, that may, but maybe that's just me. I have no use for those six and eight man tags. No, and that's the thing too. It's a split crew. There's going to be times they come to America with the full crew, and you know the the card quality is going to be slightly better than this. But again, you're not going to get super shows in fucking Des Moines, Iowa, in a thousand-seat theater. It's not going to happen. You know, and if they don't draw, they'll stop coming. But this is what you're going to get. I really don't think that they're going to take option A and load up these small buildings and burn stuff off. Why would you do that? It's better business to just not come and go back to just running four or five times a year in the big buildings and giving people the big shows that they're going to travel to and whatever the fuck. So, anyway, we got the elimination main event here. We got uh, Lance Archer versus Yoshihashi, which is one of the few matches that they set up at New Year Dash that is actually happening in America. 
I really thought that they would do Ishii and Evil here, but LIJ is on the other tour. Okay? So they're doing it over there. So you got Yoshihashi, Lance Archer. What else of consequence was on this? The tag with Carl Fredericks and TJP. And yeah, there was one uh, uh, Jeff Cobb and Alex Zane. Yeah, I mean, Alex Zane is another guy who uh, they, they gave him a try late last year, and it's obvious he's someone they like and someone who's going to get work you know, on this tour, on tours like this, along with TJP and, and, and people like that. And, and that's, a, you know, he's a good young wrestler who deserves a shot. So what's the next night? All right, so we've got Nashville, uh, January 26th. Uh, the main event there is uh, Kota Bushi, Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Rocky Romero uh, versus Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Chase Owens, and Jado. So yeah, <laughs> that's what you're getting in Nashville. Sorry guys, it's not a great, it's not a great main event, and they're building towards the Finn Juice versus God tag title match on the last day of the tour. But what good does that do you if you live in Nashville? Yeah, in Nashville you don't give a shit. But uh, hey, that's that, that that's that, that's what you got to deal with. But some of these other matches are pretty fun here. I, I'm excited for the uh, two of these three here. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Yujiro. That is not the one I'm excited about. Uh, well, here's the thing. Can I stop yeah, you yeah, for yeah, a yeah. When the fuck else, if you live in Nashville, are you going to see a Hiroshi Tanahashi? Right. Single? So that's kind of the benefit is is like, yeah, it's kind of a shitty opponent, but it's still fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi coming out to go ace on his own in the middle of that ring there doing everything. So, yeah, there's in a, yeah. In a single. You're going to see Hiroshi Tanahashi in a singles match and he's going to win and get his hand raised and you're all going to cheer and it's going to be a great moment. And it's like. What's wrong with that? You, you'd honestly rather see him in an eight-man tag with fucking tens on? I'd rather see the singles match. Am I out to lunch here? No, I absolutely. I'd rather see singles matches all the time. Yeah, I, I, I'd rather singles matches with a, a star versus some dud dude in, in 10 minutes, and he just beats him easily, and it's what you move on. So I'm fine with this. I, I like these cards, actually. Like I'm not paying to go. I'm not paying to fly to these, but I like these cards a lot. I'm, I'm excited about these. Cause, if this was in Chicago, you'd go. Oh, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Because these next yeah. two matches, I'm, I'm fucking there. No matter what, I, I don't care what else is on the show. Because I get Yuji Nagata versus Lance Archer and Satoshi Kojima versus Jeff Cobb. Are you kidding? I'm sorry. Those are those are great matches for this level of show. Go ask someone in Japan who lives in some fucking village that New Japan comes to twice a year in the same built same size building with basketball hoops and everything else. Okay, if they're getting singles matches of that caliber ever in their lives. Those people see eight-man tags until they die. They don't get matches like this. You know, so, again, Lance Archer, Yuji Nagata? Come on, man. You know? So, I don't know. I'm buying a ticket to that. If I'm in Nashville, I'm buying a ticket to that show, even though you get the lousy main event. Look at those three singles matches. That's good stuff. That is better. That's a better card than whatever New Japan is running the same night in Japan. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But we'll see if the ticket buying public agrees. Uh, Durham, North Carolina, January 27th. I uh, don't know about this one. This one might not work as well. Uh, your main event here is Tanahashi, Abushi, Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Yoshihashi versus Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Yujiro, Chase Owens, and Jado. <laughs> then elsewhere on the card. Okay, yeah, go that, ahead. Is that an elimination match or no? <laughs> it does not say it is, so. And that's junk. That's that's, that's a junk yeah, that's, It's a junk show, unfortunately. Uh, Ren Narita is going to die because he's going to face Lance Archer. Uh, Carl Fredericks is also going to lose because he is facing Jeff Cobb. But you do get the Rock and Roll Express and Alex Zane versus Colt Cabana, Toru Yano, and Rocky Romero. So, you know, <laughs> give and take. What a lucky match. <laughs> so you get to see Ricky Morton and Toru Yano. Hey, have oh, a is that all we got, sir? <laughs> 
Okay, so that show stinks. That sounds garbage. That show stinks. Nobody buy a ticket. And if you're in the Durham, North bringing- Carolina area, you're in the North. Don't buy a ticket to that show. Let them know that this is not acceptable. <laughs> That's garbage. Yeah. And they're but see because they're bringing in the rock the rock and roll express with the draw on that show. Absolutely, right, fucking right. crazy. That in twenty twenty, rock and roll express peaked in nineteen eighty five. Okay, peaked how many years ago? That's almost that's thirty five years ago. <laughs> wasn't this born tag yet. team peaked. Wasn't born. Yeah, team had their best year thirty five years ago. And they are the the key drawing act on a New Japan show 35 years later in Durham, North Carolina. If I would have told you that in 1985, you would have had me committed. You know what I mean? Right. I'm telling you, New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to run in America and the Rock and Roll Express are going to be the lead acts that are going to draw in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, they'd have you institutionalized immediately. Yeah. In 2020. Right. They'd be like, yeah, are you going to take your flying car to the show, you fucking crazy person? That's not that's not going to happen. You know? They, they, it, 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 it's, it's fucking crazy when you step back from it and look at it. But that card fucking stinks. That's What's nice? <laughs> yeah, uh, Miami, uh, January 30th. Your main event is Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Bushi uh, versus Tamatanga and Tangaloa. Uh, you also have Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Rocky Romero versus Yujiro, Chase Owens, and Jado. Uh, Alex Zane versus Lance Archer. And then also the Rock and Roll Express versus Colt Cabana and Toru Yano uh, also on that show uh, stand out. So. Okay, so your main that's a good main event. You got Tanahashi Ibushi in a tag main event, and you got the Rock and Roll Express in a tag match, but that's not great either. I, I So far, I'd rank that as the third best show out of the four. Uh, and then finally, uh, we end here in Atlanta, February 1st. Uh, IWGP Championship match here. Juice Robinson and David Finley defending against Tama Tonga and Tongaloa. Kota Bushi uh, versus Chase Owens. Jeff Cobb versus Lance Archer. Uh, Tanahashi and the Rock and Roll Express versus TJP, Alex Zane, and Clark Connors. Uh, and then Kolkabana, Toru Yano versus Yujiro and Jado. Uh, and then the rest are, yeah, just the rest are young line matches. So um, the big thing there, yeah, IWGP Tag Team title match. Uh, Ibushi versus Owens. Cobb versus Archer. And then Tanahashi teaming with the Rock and Roll Express. So. That, you know, for a house show, that's a really good house show. Anytime you get a title match on a house show, you've got a Kota Ibushi singles match on that show. Um, yeah, that show's not bad. But uh, I like the first two the best. And um, I think Miami is going to struggle. I saw the seating chart for Miami, and it's ugly. Uh, they sold a lot of the expensive ringside, but almost nothing else. And when you look at the card for Miami... And Miami, as you know, Rich, is a horrible, is a really hard town to draw sports. Sports teams in Miami have a hard time drawing. It's not a great ticket buying town, and that's not a great show. Right. So I think Miami's going to bomb horrendously, actually. Um, the others will see. Atlanta should do okay. Good wrestling town. You got a title match. Not a bad little show. Kota Ibushi singles match. No, we'll see. I think some of these shows will do okay. I think one or two of them will bomb very badly. And then maybe you just don't come back to Miami ever again, you know, or, you know, there's always that option too. You know, you, you look at the towns you did well in and some of these are repeats. So uh, the tour that struggled because 
the visas, I mean, those shows drew. I mean, they drew okay. Um, you know, a lot of those tickets were bought before people knew. But, and, and, the, and the fans, you know, were into those shows at least because they were like, ah, we're here. We might as well enjoy ourselves. So, I don't know. You know, I don't know how they'll do. I don't know if it'll be successful. I have a feeling it'll be a mixed bag, but I can't come on here in good conscience and rip them for the show quality. I cannot do that for all the reasons I already laid out. Yeah, they're they're not like lying to you. You know what I mean? Like there there, there wasn't any like you saw from the building sizes that, that, that and like again, like we're not saying they're right or wrong, but like it's not like this was some sort of bait and switch type thing or where you was expected you were getting these mega shows and you you got, you know, these shows instead. Like you look at the building sizes, you look at the way that they book uh in Japan and and, and again, yeah, these aren't bad shows on their face like again yeah you're not flying in for these shows and a few of them are dog shit <laughs> like you're absolutely dog shit but by and large like most of them are, are are pretty okay and yeah if you're in that area you're probably going to go to that show regardless but yeah we'll, we'll see where the ticket buying audience ends up going because um, they might need to change things they might need to get a little more serious uh, about these moving forward or they get less serious i don't know we're gonna find out you're getting juiced up house shows you're getting these are five cork and hall shows is what you're getting yeah. that's basically what it comes down to these are five like mid-level cork and these aren't like the best cork and hall shows you're ever going to see, but they're not the worst either. If these were cork and hall shows, well, maybe Durham, maybe that North Carolina one would be an awful cork and hall show, but the other four would be like mid-level cork and shows, you know, because a lot of those cork and shows are fucking dog shit. It's just tags up and down, including the main event. So, um, from that perspective. They're treating you a little bit better than they treat their own native fans in terms of are and what they're giving people in Japan compared to what you're getting. And I think some of the tours where it's the full crew, if I could project out based on what I'm seeing here, those are going to be pretty good shows. You have the full crew to work with, and you can mix and match a little better. Um, but also sending Tanahashi and Ibushi is a good sign. Mm-hmm. You know, so especially Tanahashi. I didn't think they'd ever send Tanahashi over here, and they'd spare it. Just you know, just I mean that tells you something right there that that you know he he feels these are important. So we'll see. Are there any plans to air these? I don't even know yet. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I actually did not look that up uh, just yet to see what's going on with these and when they're airing or whatnot. So you know, fight fight should try to do business. Fight should probably say, hey, look. Let us air these five shows. A package deal like they did for Wrestle Kingdom. Sell all five of them for 50 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably a couple hundred people that would buy that. Hardcores, you know. Um, if it's not going to be on New Japan World, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll just be on New Japan World. Who knows? I don't know if they're going to send camera crews around on these things. So that's another good question. All right, we're back. We uh, reconnected, and I think we'll be good for the rest of the show. So we apologize for any uh, disconnects or any weird stuff that was going on and, and weird, you know, cutouts or whatnot. We we're fighting that all night. We don't know exactly what the reason is, but hopefully we're we're all good now. So we're back. But anyway, uh, let's get to the final uh, few topics we have here on this week's show. Uh, we have uh, two big, <laughs> somewhat big, I guess. <laughs> big is probably the wrong way to put it. We have two shows that are occurring this weekend. Uh, the first is Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill, and then we also have NXT. UK takeover Blackpool 2. We'll start with Impact Wrestling's uh, Hard to Kill because, Joe, you're going to be there live and in person. Yeah, I got a media pass for that one. So um, I'll be in the building for Hard to Kill and uh, also 
maybe you know they're doing like the New Japan style post match uh, pressers with the wrestlers. So um, I might be able to get some questions in with that, depending how it is. If it's like kayfabe style, I don't think our listeners give a shit. So I'm just gonna blow it off and go back to my seat. But if it's a legitimate thing where you could ask legitimate questions to people, then I'll be on top of that too and uh, recording some of it. And and uh, so I can't promise anything because I have to see how it is. I got to see how the tone is. Right. And, and and for the record, like there's been a few times where we've said, hey, we're going to do this media. Hey, we're going to do this sort of thing. But it, sometimes we don't do it if it's just like I we're not a website that's going to get you like Tessa Blanchard thinks like it's time for women to like main like, you know, like we're not going to give like. If they're giving kayfabe answers, like you guys don't give a shit about that. You can go read the kayfabe answers that people are going to regurgitate on every single news site anywhere else on, on on the wrestling internet. But that's not what we do here. So yeah, if like you know Moose is trying to you know kayfabe Joe, Joe's not going to record it and, and and talk about it, or or, or you know we're not going to release it to you guys because nobody gives a shit to hear Moose cut a promo, uh, you know hyping up his match with Rhino to Joe or whatever. like who cares about that shit? So that's just not what we do on this site, and I don't think that's what our audience looks for. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I get it if that's the kind of thing it's going to be. I, you know, I understand, but, um, you know, I, then you're not going to get much content in the way of that for me, if that's the case, but I will be live in the building. So I'll obviously be live tweeting all night and giving the live perspective and, and, uh, and things of that nature. So, uh, follow along on Twitter that night. And then, uh, then who knows, you know, maybe, you know, again, I don't want to commit to anything, but if I do get some content at the show that I think is that we can use for that our audience would enjoy, then uh, look for something, you know, probably on the Patreon side in terms of that. And then, um, you know, and, and maybe even some kind of post show deal. That's all going to be decided night of. But patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Uh, why don't you subscribe for $5 anyway? Because that way, if we do do, do something. After Hard to Kill this Saturday, I want to say Saturday, or is it Sunday? It's Sunday, uh, I right? believe it's Sunday. I believe it's Sunday. You better figure that out if you're going. Like, for me, I can kind of yeah. adjust. But yeah, if you're, if you're making that drive, you better figure out which day it is. It is Sunday, Joe. So, uh, yeah, make sure you're prepared. Well, that, well Saturday, there was a, um, a a media event with uh, Tessa Blanchard and Ken Shamrock. That's why I'm confused, because Saturday was discussed with... Um, you know, the people at Access. But yeah, the show itself is on Sunday. You know, MLW is running Dallas on Saturday. That's the other thing. So that's why I was confused too. Um, but yeah, this this show is on... And I think that's a television taping for MLW. But um, yeah, this show's on Sunday and uh, we will preview it now. Yes. So the, uh, the the matches on the show, we'll get to some of these undercard ones first, and then we'll kind of in bigger detail talk about some of the other ones. But uh, your undercard is uh, an interesting undercard for sure. Ken Shamrock versus Madman Fulton. That is not a test. That is not a joke. It is actually Ken Shamrock. Yes, that Ken Shamrock versus Madman Fulton in your opener, uh, presumably, for Hard to Kill. Uh, you also have Moose versus Rhino. <laughs> Moose versus Rhino. Animal Kingdom. That Rhino, yes. <laughs> yeah, and Ken, you know, Ken Shamrock is a guy who has become a pretty big part of Impact lately. Again, I just like I just mentioned, on Saturday, they're doing a, a big media event, and he's one of the two people up on the stage with Tessa. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I guess they see as having some name value to maybe a casual audience and uh, maybe, you know, with Axis TV and their history of airing a lot of MMA, which they're not doing anymore, obviously, with the changes, uh, maybe they feel like that's a good crossover 
guy to have too. I doubt they're thinking about it that deep. But um, but yeah, Ken Shamrock's the guy who you know a lot of people thought was just coming in for that one shot a couple months ago, but he's been you know a pretty in- integral part of the company over the last couple months. Hey, yes, but you know, doing segments with Joey Ryan, doing doing big time segments, and yeah, you know, those big time singles. There's like a random singles match on this pay per view, so uh, uh, good for him. The Moose versus Rhino that is uh, certainly going to be a match to check out. I uh, I don't have high hopes for that one, but that could be uh, that could be an interesting one too. Yeah, Moose being like the guy, like the the work, the super worker of a match is it's probably not ideal, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 at least interested in it a little bit. There's a lot of animal <laughs> instincts in that match, as you said. Uh, we also have Brian Cage versus Rob Van Dam. What do you make of Brian Cage versus RVD? I mean, Van Dam is just doing this. I mean, he's a must follow on Twitter lately. I mean, he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And he knows he's in the twilight of his career. Um, and he's very entertaining, both in promos and on Twitter. The problem is his don't give a fuck attitude has extended to his work as well. <laughs> Correct. Um, so, you know, you're, you're not getting 1996 Rob Van Dam anymore, you know. Uh, but, well, it's, it's Brian Cage and it's Rob Van Dam. So, at minimum, you're going to get a lot of wacky spots. That's guys M.O. Uh, all right, we have the Call Your Shot trophy match here. It's Eddie Edwards versus Michael Elgin. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, um, that has a chance to be very good, obviously, with the people involved. Right. Elgin, Elgin has had some very low-key, excellent matches during this Impact run. Eddie Edwards, I mean, you know, he does some deep character stuff, which sometimes drags his matches down. But, um, But, yeah, that's a match with some potential there. Uh, and then we have the Impact World Tag Team titles. This match I'm really, really looking forward to here. The North uh, defending their titles against Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Yeah, I mean, it seems like these two teams have been engaged in some sort of uh, feud for months and months now. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's no reason that this won't be good at minimum. I mean, I'd say that's the floor. Yeah, for sure. One. I really, I really like the North in, in, in Impact. I voted them one of my you know tag teams of the year last year because they really have stood out to me, and I just think that the dynamic is perfect between those two guys. They obviously have a ton of chemistry, uh, and yeah, a lot of stuff they've been doing. Their Impact stuff is great. Like I really, really like it. It's good character work. It's good in ring. It's it's good kind of classic tag team wrestling, and they feel like a tag team too. Like so often in wrestling these days, like Swan and Mac is that's a good team. It's two good guys, you know, in a in a tag team. But like the thing about the North is like they look and they feel and they kind of act like a tag team, and it's it, it's 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 becoming rare again these days. There was a period where tag teams kind of came back and now they're, I don't know, in a lot of ways they seem like they're kind of falling out of favor again a little bit here where a lot of times it's just like two dudes, you know, teaming together, but this, they feel like a team and, and, and I'm really looking forward to that match. You know, sure. Willie Mack, Willie Mack's career has really been snake bitten in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like he was a PWG regular right before PWG really became PWG and broke out in a big way. Right. And then like they weren't using them anymore. And then he has the WWE deal all set. And then that weird, whatever that medical thing was, got in the way. Remember all that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was set to come in like right when NXT was starting to get going a little bit. mm -hmm. Yep. And, And, you know, obviously didn't work. Strange, you know, that mysterious medical issue. I think he's spoken about it since, but. Yeah, I forget the specifics of it. Yeah. So do I. It was just some medical thing, though. And then if you remember, he was set to get a significant push with the new NWA and then contract stuff got in the way and they couldn't use them anymore. Right. 
You know, he was, um, you know, the national champ. Didn't he win the national title tournament at the <sighs> I anniversary think, show? Yes. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he and, did. Let me, let, me, let me make sure that was the show, but I think you're right, yeah. And he was set to be one of their fixtures, you know, just from talking to people, talking to Lagana and stuff. They really were strongly behind Willie Mack, and then it just, you know, contract stuff, and he, he just can't work for them. Right. It, so, it was it was the 70th anniversary show that, that he won. I forget if it was the 70th or that other one that they did, but yeah, it was the 70th one. He beat Sam Shaw. That's <laughs> when that, so. In the fight, yeah, they did the two four, then they do four, two four-way elimination matches. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Willie Mack, uh, Colt Cabana, Ricky Starks, Sammy Guevara was involved in that. Um, Sam Shaw, obviously, I can't remember the other three guys. Um, but interesting in hindsight, some of those names, right? Sammy Guevara. Yeah, <laughs> there's some heavy hitters on there. Those, those NWA shows, man, that 75th anniversary show. The, that the, the, show was good. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and Ricky Starks got his first shot on that show, and they he obviously impressed them. Because they brought him back for the TV, and Rich, I don't know if you did. You see the TV this week? I haven't seen this week's show yet. I was too busy binging uh, our next topic, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. So. Okay, I don't want to go on a big sidebar. I'm just going to tell you and everybody else. If if you obviously if you watch the NWA, you don't need to be told to watch it. But if you're someone who kind of hand waved it or it lost its appeal after a few weeks or whatever, or you got mad at Cornette, whatever the case may be, go out of your way. And watch this week's episode of NWA Power. It's the best top to bottom episode they've ever done. But if you don't even want to watch the whole episode, watch the Ricky Starks versus Nick Aldis match at minimum. And the ensuing angle that happened afterwards. It is just tremendous television. It's the best match that they've had on their TV during the entire run, number one. And Rich, you in particular, I know you will love this match. It is so up the Rich Crage alley. Mm, I mean, all right. it is. This match reminded me of the the Chris Jericho versus Daniel Bryan match on the very first episode of the oh, very first NXT. Yeah, do you remember that match? Oh, where it was do like, I remember that match? Yeah, it's fucking great. That's what Incredible. this was with, with Nick Aldis in the Jericho role and Ricky Starks in the, in the Daniel Bryan role. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Nick Aldis is Chris Jericho. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Ricky Starks is Daniel Bryan. Okay, you'll think I'm out of my mind. They're not. But this match is like every bit as good as that match was. And it was the same. It's in a similar vein. And you you can pick up what I'm laying sure. down here. Sure, right, it's right, like right. The veteran star taking on this young up-and-comer and kind of like, yeah, I respect you, but with a smirk on my face. And then I'm not going to give away the finish or whatever. But my God, it was great television. and. If, you know, Ricky Starks does all the things that I've been saying for years that he does as well as anybody in the world, the world, and I mean that, and that's selling and emoting. Those are two things. And that's why I think it's taken a little longer for Ricky Starks to kind of break out or find his way into some promotions that are that are more visible because he's not a flippy-do guy. He can do that stuff, but he doesn't do it, and he saves it. In fact, this match is a great example of that. And again, I don't want to give too much away, right? And he's not like, but but what the things he does well aren't the kind of things that are going to jump off the page. You know, bumping and selling and having good facials is something that like William Regal might notice. But it's not something that indie promoters are going to notice. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, but this match is a great example of all the things that Starks is great at. Nick Aldis, I am going to, 
I'm very close to to taking the L on Nick Aldis. I bash that guy incessantly. I said I didn't get it. I get it now. He's so perfect for that role. And his promos have been off the charts. This is a great impact preview, by the way. And, <laughs> We're just blowing through and, these impact matches and then talking 20 minutes about NWA. Uh, it's just a, a little sidebar, <clears throat> but I mean, and he's so good in this match in his role of the veteran world champion. Not quite taking the young kid as seriously as maybe he should without giving away the finish and all that. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And, and it's just so good. And then there's an angle afterwards, which again, I won't give away who's involved or what happened there. And it's like, oh, it's just so fucking good. Um, but anyway, it just I got reminded of that because Ricky Starks worked in that national title tournament yeah, on the yeah, anniversary. Yeah. Of the show. So that's but, how, that's where the impact world's at. I will tell you one thing, um, Nick Aldis. When we bashed him, we didn't know that this type of wrestling TV existed, that this type of wrestling company existed. Because you put Nick Aldis on the Indies, you know where they were three years ago or whatever, two years ago, or whatever. Then he didn't fit in, and we said at the time, and I, you know, I, I yeah. flat out told, asked, you know, I, I, I did the interview after all out or, or all in rather with uh, with Dave Lagana at, at, at you know at Starcast, and I basically was like, you know, I, I, I get why you guys go to all this, but like other than looking good in a suit, like, you know, what can he do on in this current wrestling landscape, and and you know. And and again, I'm not going to take the L on that necessarily because we had no idea that this, that studio wrestling, 1987 studio wrestling would come back and, and be what this is because, no, he's perfect for that. We've always said that he's a throwback wrestler, cuts great promos, looks goddamn good in a suit, looks like a million bucks, talks like a million bucks. And when he gets in the ring, he's a perfectly competent wrestler that can give you, you know, five to seven good minutes and that's that's what this is so that's where like yeah you, you know in one breath no nick aldis in in pro wrestling in 2017 2018 or whatever did not quite work in the indie landscape but he absolutely works perfectly for whatever nwa is doing so no i i i, I you you could take the l all you want and, and maybe we deserve that l but i do think that that in with the benefit of hindsight had we known that you know oh no tv wrestling is going to come back in the form of this nwa then that's a different story entirely i, I got but but here's the thing it's like when he was NWA champ before the show, we were saying, how is this the guy they picked for this role? Now, I can't imagine a better person. For oh, him. God, no. No, 100%. I can't imagine a better person in that role. And, you know, and yeah, we didn't know what was coming. But at the end of the day, it, it worked out. And this episode just hammers at home. And this is a great top to bottom episode because, and you know why? Here's who the episode was centered around. It opens up with a Tim Storm promo. And then it's heavily focused on Nick Aldis, Ricky Starks, and Ricky Morton. So when you have Tim Storm, Nick Aldis, Ricky Starks, and Ricky Morton, didn't we talk about this a few weeks ago? That's like the four best guys in the company. You know what I mean? And like Trevor Murdoch, I'd throw in there too. You know, and it's like, that's why the episode worked because there was a lot less of the, the shit that you don't like about the NWA and a lot of the guys that you want to see featured. There was four matches on that show and all of them were good. I mean, you know, and obviously highlighted by all the stars, which I think was the best match of the entire run of the show either season yet. And, you know, it, you know, I think it surpassed the all this Tim storm match on episode one. Um, because of this one, I think was kind of a star maker, but anyway, we digress <laughs> very <laughs> much. So, uh, yeah. anyway, anything else on the tag team titles before we move on to the knockouts? No, Will, he's just poor Willie Mack, you know, but it's good. He's got himself a stable uh, job, it appears, with Impact now, and, and good for him because he's a guy who really has been snake-bitten, and he's so talented. I mean, you know, that guy is so good. But, um, 
you know, he had me for a while there when he was a regular watching championship wrestling from Hollywood on a weekend week out basis. Right. Because, yeah. 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 Because of him. I mean, you know, it, it's like a lot of it was comically bad, but you know, Willie Mack, I mean, fuck man. I mean, I'll watch that guy all day and night. So good for him. Uh, Impact Knockout Championship here, a three-way uh, here. We have Taya Valkyrie defending the title against Jordan Grace and ODB. Yeah, I mean, my big thing is tied in. How many more matches do we have? The main event? Uh, the main event and the semi-main. There's a semi-main X division as well. Okay, can we hold that thought on the women's match? And, and let's skip that one for a minute until we get to the main event. Because okay. I have a t- thoughts that tie in. Yeah, for for sure. Okay, I'll move to the X Division then. It's Ace Austin defending the X Division title against Trey Miguel, which I think that's a good sleeper match here. This could be really, really good. I It seems a little over its head in being, you know, maybe the semi-main event or, or, or the next biggest title match on the night, but um, I think this could be pretty good regardless. I've come around on Ace Austin. I, I it's some Rich, you know, you've, you've done this with me for eight torturous years. It, it takes me a while. To- <laughs> I don't think torturous. They're not that bad. You always call them torture. I did. I did plot your death earlier so that I could avoid doing these. So maybe they are. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know that sometimes. Two hours ago, I'm plotting your death. But now I'm like, no, Joe, I like doing these. No, nah, I love doing this. You're a joy to be around. Um, You are but, a joy to be around. It's just the three hours. is, is a lot. But. Hey, listen. Yeah, it is it is a lot. You know. I'll talk to you. I would, talk, I would love to talk to you for an hour and a half every week, Joe. It'd be great. Many, many women have told me, Joe. This sex is tremendous, but three hours, come on, we gotta wrap it up. Jeez, get out of here. We gotta wrap it up. Um, and I'm like, listen, they call me all night Lanza. I can't help it. So you know it takes me a while to come around on wrestlers sometimes. You know, I and but I've come around on Ace Austin. He has won me over. Um, and I do think if these get this should open the show, in my opinion, and they should go seven minutes and put each other's lives in danger. And it'll be a great X Division opener. All right. And then the main event here, Impact World title, Sammy Callahan defending against Tessa Blanchard. So is this where your knockouts thing comes in or are you kind of combining these two into, into one bigger point? Yeah, I remember being on a media call with um, with Scott Demore and Taya Valkyrie and Brian Cage a couple of months ago. And, and, and you know, I you're only able to get so many questions in, but it's like, a question I'll have this time around, if Scott Demore is in the room, and I don't know that he will be, is because Tessa Blanchard is beating Sammy Callahan. I that's a hundred percent lock. If you can get odds on that on some betting site, I mean, jump all over it. That's it, it's happening. Um, my question for Scott Demore will be, why even have a knockouts title at that point? You've you've committed yourself to intergender, and that's fine. Um. You know, they talked on that media call about, you know, going full steam ahead with intergender, not with just Tessa Blanchard, but Taya Valkyrie is also a huge proponent of it, and she wants to do more and wrestle men. And I did get Scott Demore to admit in one of my questions that there are women on the roster who are not comfortable wrestling men, and they don't ask them to. You know, the ones that aren't comfortable doing it, they say, that's fine. You, you'll, you will only wrestle women. We're not going to force anybody to do it. But this is essentially going to become an intergender company. And if that's the case and they're just going to go full on intergender, why? What's the purpose of the knockouts title? I want an answer to that. Mm-hmm. Because 
what do you need that for? If- yeah, why, why do you have just a straight women's championship if the cha- – yeah, it, it, it does get a little – it does get a little clunky there, uh, in some way, especially yeah. If the woman is is your world champion, then then yeah, you break down those lines already. Like you break down those lines at the main event when when Tessa Blanchard pins Sam McCallan and wins the title. You, you've broken down those borders, and now you know why why is she the only one? Like would would you only? I guess that'd be the question: Is she the only one that's doing intergender matches? And if not, then then why is the impact? You know, not well, that's the, the title thing. here. Yeah, she's not, and they talked a big game on that conference call of how it's just. Everyone's going to wrestle everyone in this company. Right, 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 right. So, you know, with the exception of the women that aren't comfortable with it, because I asked that specifically. I said, are there people, have you, is there anyone in your company uncomfortable, man man or woman, who's uncomfortable wrestling the opposite sex? And he said, yeah. You know, there are women in this company who don't want to wrestle men, and we don't make them do that. Um, but, But other than that, they said, yeah, we're going full steam ahead with the intergender. And if that's the case, you don't need the knockouts title. So my, I'm wondering... If eventually the idea is to just phase that title out or have Tessa wrestle whoever that champion happens to be and combine them or whatever. I'm listen, I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling, but it's not like I'm anti intergender and want it banned. And it's like if if I'm just skeptical that it can draw at that level, that you can be a major league company that runs full on intergender and then grow. Cause They've been pushing Tessa Blanchard for months and months and months now, and there, there's no measurable growth anywhere at the gate, the Twitch numbers. You know, she headlined a show a couple months ago that that drew less fans than the one before did. You know, it's like I don't, you know, everyone talks about how much of a star Tessa Blanchard is, and there's no evidence that supports that other than people really like to watch her wrestle, which is fine. So, I want to see how this pay per view does. I want to see how the crowd responds. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I anticipate her win over Sammy getting a massive pop. They've built it up perfectly. Sammy Callahan is the perfect foil for this type of situation. I think Tessa will win, but then I want to see what happens from there. Do they really go full on intergender with their company? Does it become a situation where they fill a market niche for that? And that, cause I'm skeptical but I'm open-minded to the idea that maybe there is a market for it. Yeah, especially for this company that that really, I mean, like, Where else what is there to lose? Names? Yeah, well, I mean, yes. like, they, they need to find a niche. They need to find something that differentiates themselves from the competition. And and fuck, if this is it, then it's it. Like, you, you got to take the right. swing. You know, you got to go for the home run here and see what happens. Like, if it do, if it doesn't work, well, whatever. Your your impact. Like, you were where you were, regardless. But yeah, yeah I I have no like. Do I think it's gonna work? Probably not. But fuck, if I'm them, I'm like, yeah, why not? Fuck it. We don't have anything else to fall back on, so why not give it a try? It's something that clearly will differentiate themselves from the other major league companies, and then at that point, it'll be up to all these people who yell and scream about intergender wrestling and you watch movies where women beat up men and uh, all this nonsense you hear, it'll be up to them. Okay. If, if this is something that's viable and everybody supposedly wants this, let's see impact move up to a new level since they're the ones doing it. And I'm just skeptical that that's the case that a mainstream audience is, has this hunger for intergender wrestling. I'm not sure I buy it. And I've never seen evidence that that's the case. So we'll see. This is going to be a tremendous test case because she's winning the match. I mean, I've never been. It's rare that I've been more certain of a result. I mean, and they had a great match the first time around. 
Callahan and, and Blanchard. It was a tremendous match. I think they'll have another great match, and I think it's just – I think the story has been told well and has been paced well, and this is perfect. It's peaking right now too, so it's, the, it's a perfect time for her to beat them. They've done a good job with it. So I'm happy I'm going to be in the building because I want to see you know, how the live crowd reacts and, um, and all those things. And, and then I'm very curious moving forward if Impact, which gets no buzz at all, picks up – and that's the other thing. All this intergender, all this Tesla, no buzz. It's like, let's see what happens in the aftermath. And if, if Impact can pick up some momentum, and if this new strategy of theirs can be a viable one, or just, you know, they're just occupying the same space in the marketplace that they always have been. Right. Or, or worst case scenario, it turns a lot of people off. But at this point, I don't know that they have enough people even following a promotion on a weekly basis to where that's even a, I mean, this might just, they're down pretty much to their hardcore. Yeah. I was going to say the people that are watching now have have pretty much been, I mean, the Twitch numbers bottomed out and no one knows. And that's the other question I'll have. If, if I have a chance to ask it to someone who can answer it is, and I asked it on the conference call. I said, what kind of, cause the conference call was for the move to access. And I was like, what kind of difference in viewership do you expect on access? And they just dodged it and didn't answer. Now they've been on access for a couple months. I'm going to ask the question again. How many viewers are you doing now on Access in comparison to what you were doing on Pursuit? I'm very curious to know the answer to that. And I'm sure they won't answer me. But it's a question worth asking and at least getting them on the record. I want them on the record, dodging it at least. You know, I'd like to know. You know, so it's hard to measure impact other than live attendance and, you know, what some of their streams do. That's really the only way you can measure them at this point. And, you know, their pay-per-view buys that trickle out. And, you know, the Observer doesn't even always report their pay-per-view buys because they're so little in numbers. So we'll see, uh, you know, how the show goes. I think the match, I think it'll be a great match because they've had great, she's had a great match with Callahan and, and, and Blanchard had a great match last time. So why wouldn't this one be great? Oh, for sure. No, and 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 to the point of like, no, I, I think this match would be great. And, and Sammy Callahan is, is, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, he's a guy we've, we've, you know, been down on for God since the beginning of this podcast before he even went to Dota V or before he even went to NXT or whatever. But like, that guy's perfect in impact. I don't know why. It just fucking works in impact, like in no other company. So like, it, it just clicks so well for Sammy Callahan. So yeah, I'm excited to see this match. And, and, and yeah, like, I, you know, 100% Tess is winning. Like, I think that, that'd be a, the, the biggest thing they could do. The biggest failure they can have is like Sammy Callen just beats her in the middle of the ring or whatever. Then, like, yeah, that, that would be just disastrous on all levels. Oh, and yeah. then you got to go with Tessa and figure it out. And, and like, again, I, would I, you know, am I sure that I'm going to love it? Is, am I sure that it's going to do great business? I, I don't know that quite yet, but you really don't have any other choice. She is, you know, by their hand, like their biggest star right now, quote unquote, you know, whether she's a big enough star to, 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 to draw money and to be the, the star of the company, to be the true star of the company that remains to be seen, but they've built her up for that. So yeah, she's got to win here. She's got to culminate the, the, the run here. And then yeah, what happens next is, is, is going to be fascinating from the business of pro wrestling. It's going to be fascinating to see, you know, what, what, what happens if it, if it increases buzz, it decreases, whatever, who knows? Uh, we're going to find out, but this is a pretty pivotal moment in, in, in wrestling going on in that main event there. So, I guess she could lose if she's leaving. I mean, wasn't her contract coming up? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with that. I guess we're going to sound like idiots if, if she goes there and eats the one, two things. I don't know what the hell her status is. But, uh, but here's the wise. thing. If that, even if that's the case, what kind of fucking story is this 
to have the heel beat the woman twice. Even if she <laughs> right, it's a terrible story. But then why even do that? I so mean, it, 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 it is Impact, Joe. I will remind you, it is Impact Wrestling. But yeah, that that's not this regime usually doesn't do shit that just absolutely does not make sense whatsoever. So well, hey, listen. Pivoting to intergender, it'd be a bad idea to beat Tessa twice on her way out the door (laughs) and then pivot to intergender. I mean, it's a horrible story. and It's a terrible way to endear yourself to the crowd that wants to see that. So, um, but we're going to find out exactly how big that crowd is when they do pivot all the way to intergender. And, uh, you know, it's, listen, if intergender is something that, you know, supposedly the masses are ready for and everybody wants to see, let me see this show do fucking uh, 40,000 pay-per-view buys. Is that too much to ask? Let me see a sold-out building when I go there Sunday. Okay? Uh, and maybe both of those things will happen. Maybe there'll be fans swinging from the rafters, standing room only, and maybe this pay-per-view will do 50,000 buys because people really are clamoring for intergender wrestling. Okay? Uh, you know, then I might change my tune. But I'm highly skeptical that it's ever been a business mover. It's, it's, a, it's loud people on social media that push for this. And as far as I'm concerned, until I see different. Okay? All of these indies try it, and none of them grow off of it. it it's, it's just a thing. It's, it's, it, it, until I can see some definitive evidence that it moves business. And this is the perfect opportunity. This is the most high profile. This is arguably who a lot of people consider the best women's wrestler in the United States. And she's about to win a men's title. Yeah, she's the one. She's definitely the one to do it, to, to, to prove once That's and for right. all if, if it's going to move or anything. She's 100% been the best person yet I, I, I've seen that, 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 that can do that. Yeah, it can really cross that over and, and, and make it a big deal. So, yeah, like I said, it's it's a monumental moment here. Like, this will this will be it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this will be a, a big sign in whether this thing really moves casual fans and really moves people that would have never watched wrestling before or people that were disenchanted from wrestling or disenchanted with other companies or whatever. Like, this is it's put up or shut up time, really, you, you know, here, because it's like, Boom, here's this woman who's clearly deserving of it, who they've built up perfectly. So let's see. You know, let's go yeah. with it now. So perfect opponent. And it's like Yeah, he's a trash built- bag asshole dude. This yeah. like, you know, second generation woman who looks like a million bucks and can wrestle her ass off. It's like there's never been a better scenario for, for this to happen than this night right here. And if that building is sixty percent full and Meltzer's reporting that the show did fifteen hundred pay-per-view buys. I don't want to hear ever again how intergender is, is, is the next big thing and WWE should be doing it and it's the future and everybody – I don't want to hear it. Pipe down. Pipe down because none of you put your money where your mouth is if that's the case. Or it just means that as I suspect, there's a thousand of you out there and you're very loud. Okay? So it's put up or shut up time for this. I, you know, show me a full building. Show me a record buy rate. Okay? And I'll come on this show and talk about how Impact needs to put the fucking, you know, their foot on the gas and go full steam ahead with intergender. I'll do that. I need the evidence that this can work. Because I'm highly skeptical. So we'll find out this weekend. Fired up now, Rich. Let's go. I'm glad you're fired up, Joe, because now it's the A show. Now it's the highlight of this entire weekend. It is, Joe, NXT UK TakeOver, Blackpool 2, and we are maniacs because you earlier t- today 
said, I think you tweeted out that we are the hardest working podcast because you went back and you're going to watch three months worth of NXT UK. And everybody said, Joe, you're an idiot. Joe, you're nuts. I believe I even said, Joe, don't do this. You're an idiot. And then I was like, well, if Joe's working, God damn it, I'm going to work too. So I didn't watch three months worth, but I watched the last four episodes of NXT UK, <laughs> binged it before we recorded the show. So you're caught up. I'm caught up. Joe, let's take them through NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Did two. you see Did you see both Ilya Dragunov versus Alexander Wolf matches? Or I just did. I, I saw both, yes. So I, I maybe it was five episodes that I watched. I forget because I, I, I hand-waved the, the best of show, obviously. Yeah, so. one of them was a recap show. So I forget for what reason. my number was if it was four or five. But I, I did see both of them, though. Okay. Am I nuts for preferring the first one yeah, to the God, second no. one? No, the second one sucked. <laughs> the second one was garbage. I didn't think the second one sucked, but I greatly preferred the first one, which was the non-gimmick match, which I thought was really good. Rich, I got to tell you, I had the pen out. I almost did it. I almost looked up the date of the match. <laughs> get your, get your 2019 notebook out, yeah. Yeah, I almost dug out the old notebook. I had my pen ready. I was like, this is good stuff. This is real good shit, right? But everyone told me the no DQ match was better. So I'm like, I'm going to wait. You know what I mean? I don't need Ilya Dragunov and Alexander Wolf filling up my notebook. One match is enough. I'm going to wait for the other one. Right? So I watched an ODQ match, and I'm so underwhelmed. It was a WWE plunder match. Yeah, it's just guys hitting each other with shit. Yeah. I mean, the first one was, to me, was so much better. But um, but anyway, yeah, we're caught up on the NXT UK. I got it, you know. <laughs> can, I admit, I, can I admit this here? I, I, I hate to do yeah. this because I make the joke about uh, nobody cares about it and it's a fake promotion, yeah. all this sort of stuff. I fucking I like NXT UK, man. It's good stuff. I, I got to tell you, I didn't hate what I saw. It was a very boring show where I left off, which was three months ago. So I went back and watched everything from when I left off. I cherry picked. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know. Am I watching every Gallus segment? I'm not doing <laughs> well, it. No, I mean, nobody should do that. I'm not doing it. But, uh, you know, I'm watching A-Kid versus Chris uh, Cassisono, and he beats him by count out. Nice little story. I'm watching A-Kid wrestle. Uh, uh, he had a couple matches. He wrestled Devlin. Devlin is still the best guy on that show. Oh, he's great. I mean, yeah, Devlin's great. It's not like he's going out there having five-star matches, but... God, his work is so good, and his matches tell such great stories, you know? And um, they're letting him talk more, too. So, you know, he had the match, and, and they're building up his match against Tyler Bate, which we're going to talk about, which I think is can, has a chance to be a great match. Um, but yeah, NXT UK, Rich, it's really, it's way better than when I left off. I got to say that. I dumped it at the wrong time because, but again, I'm cherry picking, but I learned a lesson here. Maybe instead of watching the whole hour every week, just go through the chapters and say, okay, I'm going to watch that, that, and that. Right. You know what's going to be good, and, and, and you're, you pretty much can assume what's going to be good and what's going to be bad. And I think one thing that's definitely helped it is, is, is I think you dropped it just around, around the same time that almost everybody else dropped it. Because if you watch this show, it almost exists in its own little universe at this point where guys are just out there like trying shit out and just doing stuff. Because I think they know nobody's watching. I think they know that they're just a content factory at this point. So, like, you're getting fun stuff like, you know, Cassius Ono deciding, yeah, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't hit people anymore. I just do wrestling moves. That's yeah. a great story. You got yeah. you got my, my fucking promo of the year. The, the I, I can't believe it. Heel Kona Reeves is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. He is so good. 
I don't know what got into Kona Reeves. He's so good. I'm watching this, and it's like Kona Reeves, and I'm like, oh god, they exiled Kona Reeves uh, to to UK, and then he comes out here and he just he like taps the mic. I, I watched. I forget what episode. I forget who he was facing. Yeah. He got squashed in like a minute, but he taps the mic and goes like, ah, I have to be here in this crap country. And I'm like, whoa, Kona Reeves, what's going on here? Like, what the hell happened? I like t- t- dropped everything because like I'm just doing other stuff, and I hear Kona Reeves. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. Don't need to really pay attention to this. And he's cutting it. That was a great heel promo. He's a great heel that's his new gimmick he comes out he's cuts. great he's awesome i told people on twitter you're sleeping and everybody was like oh yeah i'm sleeping dude you're sleeping man watch these promos yeah he, he's They're great and the, ma- the match you're talking about was against bomber <laughs> yes that's right the bomber um but yeah um no he's he comes out and he he runs down his opponent and the town that he's in it's all cheap heat but it's good it's the best shit that kona reeves has ever done yeah, in that better company. than Guy that smiles, you know, similar to the Kenta thing. It's like a lot of their yeah. characters are like, "Hey, uh, you smile, so get out there, bud." Like, you know, yeah, that's your characters. It's, you wear funny clothes and you smile. All right, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the show, it, you know, at least the way that I consumed it, um, watching the stuff that I, that looked interesting, and watching all, I watched all the main events. I watched the main events of every show, unless that Gallus, and I watched um. You know, the stuff that looked interesting, whether it was Devitt or my man Jack Stars or A-Kid or, uh, you know, if there was a good looking tag match or something. But I, I didn't hate my life. I thought I was going to hate my life. I know. I had the same thought, too. Yeah. But it was it was just, you know, some good solid wrestling as we head into NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2, which is a real show that is really happening. And uh, now we're fully prepared to preview it. Imagine our preview of this if we hadn't done our homework. <laughs> this would have been bad. Yeah, I would have I would have buried the fuck out of this, but I'm not going to because I'm excited. I'm ready to go. All right, let's do it. Let's. Do it. But one thing, I, one thing I did want to mention before we do that too is, um, I can tell nobody's watching and nobody cares because there was numerous times where like somebody would make a mistake in a promo or 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 say the wrong name of a person they're facing or say the wrong date or whatever and they wouldn't even bother to retape but they would have Nigel be like, oh, "I think he meant next week cuz uh this week we have this instead." And I was just like, "Oh man." Yeah. Like they don't even fucking care. Like Elgaro did some promo for one of his Skype promos or whatever. They legitimately cut promos on Skype sometimes and he said like, "Oh, next week I'm going to face like da 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 or whatever." And Nigel comes out of break going like oh i think he meant in two weeks because next week is our christmas special like i was like yes yeah. i was like yes they don't even they don't even tell him hey Legero, do you mind uh recut that promo they just said ah fuck it nigel just say he meant next week so whatever yeah yeah there's a, that's why i love it it's just that. this weird breeding ground that like you can't it, like nobody cares it's like you're it's it's joe it's like a private screening you know you kind of feel it's like you and like this like weird concoction of talent just kind of performing a show for you and like your 20 friends that are watching this. Cause there's nobody else like Joe, they had a, uh, the day after Christmas, they had a best of NXT UK show on the WWE network. How many people watch that show? Legitimately. How many people watch that show? I, I can't imagine more than like <laughs> 50, right? 50 to hundred yeah. tops. I mean, I'll, I can't imagine it'd be that low, but <laughs> did you hear Not one a- person say one person talk about that show existing? An NXT UK recap show? No, I can't <laughs> say after I, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, you're cleaning yeah, up. You know, you're 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 playing with your new toys. You know, you're build, building stuff. You're hanging out with your family. Whoa, hold on, guys! I gotta stop here. NXT UK is doing a best of NXT UK 2019 show. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, when you put it that way, it's like, why? First of all, no one watches the show to begin with. Second of all, why would you watch a recap show? It's like, 
Yeah, you. It might be in the triple figures. You're right. Like the live viewing was, was definitely like triple figures at best. So anyway, let's get. It's this. like the live viewing is you already had the stream on. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, you were watching something else, and you were watching Table for Three with fucking you know, uh, Ric Flair, and that ends, and you just the live stream kept playing. Right. That's the the old television thing where it's like before remote controls, you were too lazy to get up and turn the dial. So you know you wanted to have a good lead in show before a show you know that's like what that is that the only people who watch that already had the stream running all right let's get to it though here nxt uk takeover blackpool 2 all right we're gonna start here with uh the opener which is gonna be a fucking hell of a match i don't know if it's exactly gonna be the opener the way they 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 have run down the card it looks like it might be tyler Bate versus jordan devlin let's go i mean you know watching all of these episodes you remember that tyler Bate is still in this company He's like 22 years old still. <laughs> I mean, what a waste of this human being who is so good. I mean, an absolute prodigy in the ring. And look, they were using him well at one point. He was NXT UK champion. He was wrestling on NXT proper. He was wrestling. Didn't he wrestle a couple real takeovers or at least on NXT? Well, yeah, I, fuck. I was there live for uh, him versus Donald on takeover. Yeah, Chicago, right. yeah. So it's like, I thought they utilized him well in his first year, year and a half in the company. It's like 2019, he was a fucking ghost. And um, they didn't even do much with him on this brand. And it's such a waste. This is a guy who could be wrestling all over the world, gaining a ton of experience against a ton of different kinds of opponents. He's rotting away. I mean, does he, is he going to that performance set? Is he doing, is he doing uh, fucking side headlocks? Is he doing hip tosses? What are they, what are they doing with this guy? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, you know, Joe Gagne put this in our uh, our preview on the uh, on VoiceWrestling.com. He, yeah, Joe Gagne came out and did the written preview here. <laughs> the big guns came out for this one. Uh, Tyler Bate worked 42 matches last year. 42 yeah. matches last year. Prior years, uh, 107 in 2018 and 112 in 2017. And like, that's a lot of matches. Obviously, working less matches isn't always bad, but the guy's 22 freaking years old. Like, yeah, yeah. He needs to be working more than 42 matches. Yes, this is when he should be working 110 matches a year against a variety of opponents. And I think 100 matches is a good number. That's a good, solid number of matches for a wrestler, a young wrestler, or a wrestler in their prime. I don't think that's overworked at all. That's a good, solid indie schedule that he was working, Um, you know, in high-level places, too. 40 matches, I mean, that just stunts your growth. You know, it's just, it's inconsistent ring time. He can't, you know, he probably went three, four-week stretches where he didn't have a single match. It's, it's horrible. You know, they totally, they not only destroyed a burgeoning scene, but now they're just wasting the people that they signed. And it, it, it's, it's depressing. You know, it, 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 it's legitimately depressing. But um, Devlin, to me, is the MVP of the brand. He carries every show that he's on, television shows. And this has a chance to be a really great match that, you know, it's a shame. It's just because not a lot of people are going to watch it, you know, but I could easily see this being, you know, right on par with the second level stuff from the Wrestle Kingdom shows. It's not going to be, you know, Okada Naito, but can it be a nice four, four and a quarter star match? Hell yeah, it can be, depending on the time they get. These guys are great. 
Uh, next match here is uh, Trent Seven versus Eddie Dennis. My guy, Eddie Dennis. He's back from his injury and he is uh, mad at Trent Seven. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a little loose the the story here, but hey, I'm I'm, I'm into it so far. So it's, it looks pretty. I'm, yeah, I don't know. The match is gonna be very good, but they've done good promo work and 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 Eddie Dennis just beats him up. <laughs> Trent Seven doesn't understand why, and uh, that's kind of the match. So here we are. Yeah, the story kind of came together late. Uh, you know, Trent Seven was feuding with Noam Dar for a while, and he had some other things going on. Like you said, Dennis was hurt, so Dennis comes back and he attacks him. Here we are. So the thing about it is, you know, they like Eddie Dennis because when he's healthy, they always feature him. And Trent Seven's a guy who is just so much better than I ever think he is in my mind. And then I watch him wrestle, and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's really good. You know, and it, it's like. He's one of the best tag team wrestlers on the planet. And he's a really good singles wrestler, too. You know, he had a couple really good matches on that run of TV that I watched. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll hold up his end, no doubt about it. So I think this will be an entertaining little match, too. Uh, all right, so move on now here to the uh, NXT UK Women's Championship. We have a three-way here. We have Kaylee Ray versus Tony Storm versus Piper Nevin. Piper Nevin. Piper Nevin. Piper Niven. Really hacked that one up there. I really did. I don't know why. <laughs> I was got, I got ahead of myself. I was saying the last name before I said the first name. Piper Nevin. All right. What do you got here? Piper. Call her Viper. Uh, yeah, we'll call her right there. <laughs> a lot easier. Call her the Viper. Uh, yeah, so Tony Storm is back. So there's a lot of different ways this could go. I've seen speculation on a potential heel turn for Tony Storm. Um, I don't know. It's a three-way, and... I wasn't really feeling the build myself, to be honest with you. So I'm not so much into this one. Piper Niven gave one of the most lifeless, listless promos I've ever heard on one of those episodes where uh, she came out, Storm asked her to come out, and she comes out. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. Was... You, you know the promo I'm talking oh, about? I do, yes. And I'm like, Jesus, like, she can't fucking talk. Like, yeah, she's, she's like, well, I, I want the shot because uh, I think I've earned the shot and I, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about my title shot. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, cool. and she's like. <laughs> cool story. <laughs> and she has a ton of personality, like on Twitter. She's like a big personality on Twitter. And you would think that would translate the promos, but it's just not there. I mean, um. And it's a three-way, and I don't, I don't know. I, you know, look, why wouldn't I just rather watch Kaylee Ray versus Tony Storm? Right, 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 right. right. Or, or I, I mean, it, I guess Kaylee Ray versus Pepper Nevin doesn't really have me too excited. But uh, yeah, I'd rather just watch Kaylee Ray and, and and Tony Storm have their rematch. But so we'll see. Maybe they'll do some kind of angle off of it or something that people think they might do. So it was pretty thrown together, though. So yeah, the bill do it. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of in between on uh, on the bill. The bill did not excite me. No, the bill did not. and it's triple threat. So. So now we're yeah. probably going <laughs> to stink a little bit. All right. And now we got plenty of gallus for you for the rest of this night here because oh we have a ladder. If <laughs> Joe, I always say aspire in your life to love something as much as NXT UK loves gallus. Yeah. Like <laughs> whether it's the kids, whether it's TLB, whether it's the dogs, like I don't think you, I, I know you love all three of those things, but I don't think you love them as much as NXT UK loves gallus because Joe, we have a ladder match for the NXT UK tag team titles. Four-way ladder match for the NXT UK Tag Team titles. We got Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, the Grizzled Young Veterans, Imperium, and Gallus. 
the worst part about all of this is we're expected to root for Gallus. <laughs> These like weirdos of the weird music that look like shit are the baby faces. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Now they're baby faces. Like at least when they were heels, you could uh, all right. Well, I'm not supposed to like them, and I definitely don't like them. But now it's like Wolfgang's in a ladder match. Yeah, you want me, you want me to root for Mark Coffee in a pro wrestling match. Like, why would I want to do that? I don't, I don't even want to watch him in a wrestling match. Now you're telling me, like, these are my heroes. I'm supposed to be cheering for these men. When I had no interest in them, you know, as heels, uh, two matches of this. I don't know, man. It's a ladder match. There's eight guys. They're going to do dangerous shit. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm a little, I, I'm actually fascinated by this ladder match because, I, you know, we, we look at most ladder matches and it's like, all right, you can pick out the guys that are going to do like crazy shit or whatever. Like, I don't, who's the guys doing crazy shit in this match? I mean, Mark Andrews. Yeah. Um, I mean, is Mark Coffee doing anything crazy? Like, here we go. Anyone, yeah. anyone can fall off a ladder, though. Right? I, can Wolfgang? I don't think Wolfgang can. He's actually a little more nimble than you think, Wolfgang. I mean, he doesn't look like it. I mean, he looks like Wolfgang looks like you know you're trying to save a buck, so and you need a plumber, but you get one off a of Craigslist instead of like you know a licensed one. Like, and then like Wolfgang shows up, and you're like. Uh, I should have spent a little more for a real plumber because right. <laughs> you posted on next door even... neighbor that you were looking for a plumber. And this guy was like, I'll do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I, I can come over. Yeah, you free tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, fine. Because <laughs> like, then you're like, the job done. But, you know, he... no, I don't even know if he does. I don't even know if that man knows how to plumb. <laughs> oh, he does. He knows. You're calling him over like he's he's just like, you know, faking his way through it. And you're like, you know, he's unemployed and he's just looking for a gig. And, um, you know. That's what Wolfgang is like, you know, but he can, he is a little more athletic than you think. So I, I don't know. I, I, look, anyone, again, anyone can fall off of a ladder. So they're going to set up, they're going to do a bunch of long setups and guys are going to, there's some big guys in there. They're going to go crashing through the ladder. Um, you know, so you're not going to get a lot of flippy dues. I agree with you there if that's what you're looking for, but It'll be more of a violent style. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see Fabian Eichner, you know, in a ladder match. I think, yeah, Andrews is going to do, like, the big time spots, and then the other guys are just going to probably, like, yeah, spear each other and, 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 and powerbomb yeah. each other through ladders and shit. So, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear the TV's better than the TakeOver, because this preview's not selling people, I don't think. I don't think, I don't think this preview is selling people to stay up in the middle of the night to watch NXT. <laughs> I'm never recommending to anyone <laughs> to watch a show where two of the five matches are occupied heavily by right. Gallus. Yeah, when we were saying the TV was good is when there was promos by, you know, Kona Reeves, great matches Cassius Ono, A Kid, like that sort of stuff. Just to just to be clear, the TV is one thing. We're not saying yeah. you know, definitively that the takeover is now good because of that. So, just just right. a forewarning. Let's get to the main event here. NXT, uh, sorry, WWE United Kingdom Championship here. Walter defending against Joe Coffey of Gallus. Big, big time babyface Joe Coffey. 
What is the music? It sounds like it sounds like a like a terrible indie was trying to book a dollar store aces and eights during like the peak of that run or whatever. You know, like D Lo got released, so they had D Lo come in as his Ace and Eights character, and that's the music they gave him. Like, why does Gallus have that music? It's just sometimes music hits and it just <laughs> it just takes you right out of it. You know? It's um it's just bad. It's 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 that song just you know that those bearded men are gonna come out of that tunnel with their heaving chests and um and give you a two and three quarter star match. You know that's what's coming when you hear that Gallus music. So and now we're supposed to be behind them and root for them. But um yeah, I mean, they they, they kind of stopped letting them cut promos because no one knew what the fuck they were ever saying. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, even the people in the UK had no clue. They tried a few. It's like, they don't really let them talk that much anymore. Because, um, I mean, who can fucking understand it? That one guy on Twitter got mad at us. Like, that guy understands it. But, um... What did he tell us? I don't even remember. What oh, that, that was a great insult. Yeah, I forget what it was, but he told you to. Yeah, it was, some, it was some sweet Scottish uh, insult that we were like, "Fuck yeah, that sounded great." But I forget what it was. Uh, he wanted us to do something with our arses. Is all I can remember. Something he wanted to to, to put something up our arse. Um, but uh, look, I can hear you looking for it. I, oh yeah, I'm feverishly typing. I'm gonna find it. Yeah, because all because we put down Gallus. Like he was really upset about that. Um. But yeah, I, I'm supposed to root for him because Imperium are the heels, and um, I'm not doing it, Rich. I'm not rooting for Joe Coffee. I'm not rooting for Mark Coffee. I'm not rooting for Wolfgang. You can't make me, and I'm not going to do it. Um, we'll see if Walter could have a great match with this guy. I don't think it's impossible, but I don't think it's any kind of lock either. These NXT UK takeovers are usually pretty good. One of them was great. I think the other Blackpool one was great. But, uh, you know, this has some questionable stuff. But there's a chance it all lands. I've stalled as long as I could. I can't find it. Yeah, it, it didn't come up. I looked up at Voices Wrestling Arse and it didn't come up. So maybe the guy deleted or uh, I don't know what Arse happened. Arse is maybe. With the- oh, that's okay. Hold on. Hold on here. That's a good. Good idea there. Well, it should have come up with my Arse, right? It should have come up. Arses should have come up. But you're right. You know how Twitter searches are. They're yeah. very... No, I nah, forget it. Damn, um, it was good though. <laughs> it was good. It was something about slagging off your arses or something like that. Yeah, he might be gone. Uh, he might. He might. He's the kind of guy. He might have like walked out of a bar at two thirty a.m. and got stabbed or something. <laughs> he might be dead. Yeah, for sure. But I'm glad. I'm glad. Like it was a good insult. Like we got fucking owned. He definitely owned us. So that was. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I can't. I got no counter for that. <laughs> right, you, you nailed it, dude. Um. <laughs> I love the idea that Joe Coffey's there's, they've had three NXT UK takeovers and Joe Coffey's made up of two of them yeah against Pete Dunn and Walter yeah oh god oh god and Walter kind of sucks now too but that's alright what a preview <laughs> I mean Walter has not been great on the uh, on the WWE UK brand I will say that um I guess he had the great match at TakeOver, right? Mm-hmm. In New York. And yeah, a good few minutes in the Survivor Series until. A few minutes? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> until he had a boot, but that's all right. <laughs> not great. Not great. So, this will probably be interference heavy, too. That's the other thing. 
you know, the way it's all been built. Oh, yeah. And for people that don't know, the, the entire build has been Walter, you know, came out after that Pete Dunjo coffee match, laid coffee out. And, and since then, there's kind of been a bubbling Imperium versus Gallus feud. Um, so, yeah, th- th- there's like a 100% chance that all of Gallus and all of Imperium are probably coming out and brawling with one another at some point. So with the side story of trying to get Ilya to join Imperium, and he didn't do it. So then he's got like his side feud with Wolf. Which is probably better than this. This this coffee nonsense. But um yeah, we're we're I don't know. Why this not the best sell takes me out I just I don't Gallus. We should have went the opposite way. I should have started with the Gallus matches and ended with Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin. Hey, look, Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin, guaranteed that'll be good. That'll be great. Yeah. Those guys are two good wrestlers that there's no way. Uh, this is a disturbing thought uh, that Joe uh, Joe Gagne wrote in the, the, the preview at Voices of Wrestling. Um, he says, quote, depends on how long it goes in, in terms of projected match quality for Walter and Joe Coffey. Uh, NXT UK TakeOver main events have averaged 38 minutes in length. Yeah. Come close to that, it'll be tough sledding. That is that is certainly an understatement. That will be very tough sledding if, if Walter and Joe Coffey goes 20, <laughs> 38 minutes. So. I'll say this about the TakeOver show, okay? The seemingly never-ending feud between Leggero and Joe Connors didn't <laughs> the show. And, and Joe Connors. Joseph Connors is so bad. I was watching... Uh, as I was watching through, Joe Connors did a promo saying, I am TakeOver Caliber. Did you see that promo? And, he's, and I got Joseph Goto. Joseph Goto over there, yeah. Because I didn't know the whole card yet. As I'm And I'm like, holy shit, they put Joe Connors on TakeOver? And is it against Leggero? No fucking way. Right? Because he's like, I am TakeOver Caliber. Like, you know, all this bullshit. And he's feuding with Leggero at the time. And I'm like, that can't possibly be a takeover. I, it was a well-built, like, few. I mean, not, well, when I say well-built, not in, like, anything that I want to see. But they've done it. They've built it up. You know what I mean? Like, they, they have pushed it a lot. It's just, yeah, I don't care. Rich, they've it. been wrestling each other for a year. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. Like, it, they, were having, they were having matches on that show when I was covering the show behind the paywall. And I had to make up the JAG championship just to make the show interesting. That's how long that Leggero and Joe Connors have been feuding because they battled over my JAG championship. And that's been months and months and months and months. And, months. and they're still going at it. They've got no other ideas for Joe Connors and Leggero. But how could you? They're the jaggiest Jags that you can possibly jag. I mean, who's jaggier than those two guys? Leggero is a Jag in a mask. Yeah, he and pulls it off. That's, that's a, a remarkable to pull it off with a, a giant mask with horns. Uh, and yeah. you can just be like a fucking dude. It's pretty tough, yeah. And he wrestles fucking 300 matches a year. And he's still the most average wrestler on the face of the earth with no charisma whatsoever. It's amazing, actually. You know? And Joe Connors, I don't know what his deal is. He's so fucking... <laughs> is he creepy on purpose or does he just look like a creep or like what's his deal? I think he I just don't... looks like a creep and they've kind of had to lean into it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So that's NXT UK TakeOver at Blackpool 2. I'm going to read the preview of it up at VoicesOfWrestling.com right now as well. But uh, hey, Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin, that'll be fun. Um, all right, let's finish out here. We only have a few more minutes. Uh, assorted All Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah 
news. So obviously we talked a little bit about this during our instant reaction shows, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling, that there was a major title switch in pro wrestling. Noah, uh, there was a big time title match in all Japan pro wrestling uh, over Wrestle Kingdom weekend. So Joe, what did you see and, and, and what are kind of the big news stories that people need to pay attention to? Okay. So uh, Kento Miyahara and Jake Lee, uh, all Japan ran the second and the third in in Cork and Hall. You know, Wrestle Kingdom week has become like a WrestleMania week. Mm-hmm. All the other promotions run shows mostly at Cork and Hall. Um, you know, you got the big New Year's Eve tag thing. You got Zero One always runs on the first. That show's hitting tape this week. Then All Japan runs their two shows. Uh, Noah then ran back to back shows on the fourth and the fifth. Both of them sold out head to head against Wrestle Kingdom. So it's really become like they know people are coming in from from all over the world and from all over the country. It's become like a mini WrestleMania week where, where, where promotions sort of more and more of them. Now, some of these promotions traditionally have run these dates for years, but more and more promotions are sort of piggybacking off of Wrestle Kingdom and, and, and doing well. We saw Noah. I mean, that was a very smart strategy. It worked out. But um, All Japan ran their two shows. And uh, Kento Miyahara defended against Jake Lee. There was a lot of, uh, I was going to say fear that Jake Lee was going to win. But I, a lot of people thought Jake Lee could win the title. He did not. Miyahara, another successful defense. I think it was the right decision. Jake Lee just does not feel like he's over at that level. Um, I thought it was a great match. I went four and a quarter. Um, there was one, there was a couple little messy spots that were enough to take me out of it. Um, or I may have went a little bit higher. But um, but Miyahara gets by Jake Lee, but the big news there is, um, is uh, Aoyagi turned on Miyahara during his post-match sort of, you know, speech, Yuma Aoyagi, which is, mm-hmm. which we talked a few weeks ago. We're like, look, if Jake Lee's not the guy, then just go full steam ahead with Nomura or maybe even elevate Aoyagi. We said that. We said that, Rich. So, um, you know, Aoyagi attacked him. It was a great angle, and he cut a heel promo, and um, he'll be the next guy to go after Miyahara, and I think it's great that you're trying to elevate Aoyagi. Look, I saw a lot of people complaining about it, and they're saying, ah, he's not ready for a triple crown shot and this and that. What the fuck? They got to try new things. I mean, right? nobody's ready right now. So someone's got to be ready. You know, what's the harm in running a cool angle like that on a high profile show? It came across well. So you give it a shot. You know, it's like this is how you make stars. You have to do things that are ambitious and you have to take chances and. Jake Lee is never going to be the guy. Right. I was going to say, can we now officially like kind of close that door? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy you could give triple crown shots to, but you know, we had, um, uh, big Tom Fishy, Thomas Fishback was in the building and, you know, he said, you know, Jake Lee doesn't feel like a star in the building and kind of comes through. And this was the guy who was a Lee supporter who wanted him to win initially. And then he got to the building and was like, eh, I don't think that'd be a good move. You know, um, and Nomura just seems like he has more uh, momentum. And now you see what happens with Aoyagi. So I have no problem with sort of elevating Aoyagi into a challenger. And it looks like Miyahara is going to, you know, break the the record before they take the title off him. And maybe Nomura will win champion carnival and then be the guy to unseat him later in the year. But that's really looking far down the road. Uh, the other big match on that show, which people should not overlook, and this is all up on all Japan TV already is the, uh, the, the, they ran a, a junior title tournament. Remember, Rich, they sort of ran when, um, uh, when, uh, man, it's, it's late and, um, and my head's not working. Um, 
Aoki, when Aoki passed away as champion. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They just vacated the title. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, they said, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it um, the next year. So they ran a little mini tournament on these two days with the Dragon Gate guys. And it was uh, Hikaru Sato on the first night beating Kajitora and uh, Yoko, Susumu Yokozuka defeating Koji Iwamoto on night one. Both nice little matches, uh, well over three stars for both of them. And then uh, Susumu Yokozuka won the tournament. He beat Sato in an awesome match, which was the semi-main event on night two. I highly recommend it. I went four stars on it. Um, wasn't as good as the main event, but it wasn't that, all that far behind either. And it's really cool to see Susumu Yokozuka uh, you know, win the All Japan Junior title. And it really shows that the Dragon Gate-All Japan relationship at least has some legs, at least for the first uh, quarter of the year or so. So that was another big story coming out of that. The night one main event was the tag team titles. Violent Giants uh, won the titles again. They beat Ryuji, Sai, and Zeus, but they won by knockout, and I can't figure out if it was the intended finish or not, because Zeus was knocked loopy by a couple of lariats, and he started to stand up at the 10 count, but the referee waved it off, and there was some confusion in the post-match. I don't know, but either way, Violent Giants are the champs again. Um, You remember they won... uh, the, uh, the tag league. Um, so that's how they got this title shot and they are the new champs, whether that was the intended finish or not. Um, I'm not sure, but the other big stuff out of all Japan, Akira Francesco scored a fall in the opener of night one. And, uh, <laughs> Susumu Yokozuka, like, well, who you want to defend against? And he picked Frank. He goes, I want to defend against you, that guy. So Francesca is going to Akira, the good Italian boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's still still real thin, right? He's still like 175 pounds and Oh yeah, and yeah. so not ready. But it it's good that they're trying new people, you know, in the ti- that's a that'll be a fresh uh title match for sure. Yeah, Dragon Gate guy against Francesco. And they're really going strong on some of these uh British guys. Danny Jones won the traditional January 2nd Battle Royal. Uh which isn't a huge deal, but you know, it's notable. And then the other big news out of all Japan is this new faction that has formed with uh Izanagi and Utamaro and Shigehiro Iri, uh, who's wrestling in like 19 different promotions at the same time now, you know, and they had a mystery partner in an eight man tag on night one. And it was Lucas Steele out of the UK. It got no reaction, obviously, from the crowd. And Rich, this guy fucking killed it on both nights. I don't know where they found this dude. You know, I asked our British guys, Rob Reed and all them, and they're like, ah, he was an OK wrestler, but. Man, it just works. Like, he looks like a million bucks. And on both nights, he was just super impressive. So, again, they're trying something new. It looks like this guy's going to get a push. And why not? You know, uh, give it a shot. So they have this new heel faction and this, you know, Lucas Steel that they're going to be pushing. And if, if, you know, the listeners have time, these were fun shows on the second and third from uh, All Japan, and they were newsworthy shows. I would strongly recommend the Miyahara-Jake Lee match and the uh, and the entire junior title tournament. It's only three matches. And I would check out Lucas Steele. You know, I thought he was uh, very impressive, and it's clearly a guy. Uh, and they're bringing in JT Kratos, too. Uh, oh, so he's going to... Oh, man. Oh, shit. That dude's going to fit like a glove in, in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good fit, too. So, um, I thought All Japan did a bunch of good things, you know, with the Aoyagi angle and everything. So, 
Um, and now Noah, you know, the, the, I didn't watch the show on the fifth. The sh- I'm not watching it until the show on the fourth airs, but we talked about behind the paywall a little, but you know, Goshiozaki defeated, uh, Kato Kiyomiya, which is obviously, uh, the huge news coming out of that. And I guess we should talk more about that when we watch it, right? There's really no point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the match went. I don't know what the crowd reacted like. Like, I saw pictures. I saw people's reactions. But, yeah, it's it's impossible to know until you watch it itself. So I think that's airing this week. Uh, so the fifth is already out, yes. but the fourth is airing this week. But, yeah, you're going to want to yeah. watch the <laughs> – instead of watching the follow-up first, you're going to want to watch the, the match itself and then the follow-up. So we, I think we'll definitely watch that. I mean, that's obviously a huge title change after a, a, a huge reign for Kiyomiya. So uh, we're going to watch that because, of course, you're going to have to. But, yeah, I'm going I'm to wait until that show drops to watch the stuff from the fifth as well. But, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited. A curious uh, result. So it's, it's, it's one that – yeah, because the results was so unexpected, you know. Mm-hmm. And on their second show on the fifth, you know, the tag team titles change hands. So Shiozaki then lost the tag titles, which he was, which he held with Nakajima to Masaki Mochizuki and Marafuji, you know, so another Dragon Gate guy coming into another company, you know, Dragon Gate's working with a lot of different companies, you know, it, it, they've got Mochizuki and Noah, and they've got obviously their, some of their guys in, in all Japan, both of them title holders. Now you would, with Susumu and Mochizuki and, you know, I, we're sworn to secrecy on this, but I so I can't reveal it, but there's talks that Dragon Gate's going to link up uh, with another company. I don't know if Rich remembers this conversation, but um, not New Japan. Right. But, uh, yeah, don't, it's not New Japan. So um, says people are going to naturally no. it's but yeah. So, you know, Dragon Gate's got their getting their tentacles all over the place now. But, um, you know, Noah also brought in Dick Togo. I don't know if you saw that, Rich, but I did. Be- that's that's sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're. Um, Oh, was that Noah or was um, um yeah Noah right yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah for their um the junior league you know that's a four block league I don't have it in front of me but uh there was a mystery spot and it's going to be filled by Togo and that tournament looks like it's going to be pretty good too so um you know the I, I you know the Noah shows I'm going to watch those as soon as uh the first one drops I'm real excited about that a lot of new directions in you know Noah was already had some upward trajectory. But I'm real encouraged by these two All Japan shows that I saw this week. And, um, you know, an attempt at least to bring in some fresh faces and shake things up a little and maybe push a new guy with Aoyagi. And they, you know, they've got the new faction. So, um, you know, I'm more encouraged by All Japan now than I was at the end of last year, now at the beginning of this year. So. Yeah, it's always cool when new, new, new directions are kind of happening and stuff. And I, I think you and I were kind of, I mean, obviously, we were down in the, the, the Kiyomiya title reign for a while. So I'm, I'm interested in the Shiozaki thing. I'm, I'm really interested in the crowd reaction to that one uh, as well. And the, the All Japan thing, it feels like, in, in some way, like, like you kind of wanted Jake Lee to be the guy. But now it almost feels better knowing, okay, he's not the guy. Okay, who's next? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's almost reassuring to know he's just kind of in the rear view now, and now let's worry about who, who could potentially be next or, or who that next guy is. So, so in a way, the stability is exciting now because now you at least can move on to something else in all Japan, which is good. I, I think it's a, yeah, it's a healthy I'm, way to re- go about I, it. I completely agree. I am ready to move on past Jake Lee. He is what he is. He just doesn't have enough charisma to, to, to be the guy. And I'm not sure that Nomura or Aoyagi can be those guys either, but, but you got to find it, out. <laughs> it's got to be somebody or else. I guess Kento doesn't hold the title for five more years or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'll get, can I give you another interesting one? You yeah. know who? Uh, something I forgot. Francesca. I, I, <laughs> Ayato Yoshida worked these shows. Ooh, yeah. Now that is a guy who, not right now, but to me, that is a guy who absolutely has the potential to be a top guy. I think whatever happened with Taka, and when that fell apart, and New, New Japan. They loved Yoshida, and for good reason. And, you know, he obviously, with politics, isn't working there anymore, you know, the talk stuff. And that 2AW is just a waste. I mean, a, for a good young wrestler to be stuck there, there's no upward mobility. But with him hooking up with All Japan, that's another guy that I would vault right ahead of Jake Lee. You know, if he's going to work dates there. And, and, and he's 27 now, so it's time. You know, to to shit or get off the pot with him, um, but it's not his fault. He's been stuck in a you know a tiny promotion where you, you really have no upward mobility whatsoever. But um, you know, hopefully, this all Japan thing is is something that you know um, can be a regular stop for him because he's another guy who I would love to see him escape from that terrible promotion and really just end up anywhere else. So. Um, you know, that's another guy that, that's at least worth watching in that group of guys who can potentially, you know, give Miyahara that rival that he so badly needs. Right. And there, there's a potential given the Dragon Gate thing that maybe one of the Dragon Gate guys beats him or whatever. But we're talking about long term, like the guy, the next guy, the, the, the guy that Miyahara will pass that torch to or whatever. The next star of all, like that's what we're looking at. Like, yeah, you can have, you know, Mochizuki win the title or some, you know, some shit like that. But it's like, no, that that's just a short term stopgap. You need that next guy in line that, that you're looking at. So. And it, it seems as though they view them as juniors anyway, because they're all. Yeah, right, right, right. Hajitora and and, Yokoz- and Susumu were brought in for the junior tournament and Mochizuki, when he works there, works the junior with the juniors as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so that they don't, yeah. so that's how too, because they view those guys as juniors. Like, and I don't think dragon gate would you know, maybe Ben K or someone like that, but would dragon gate want to involve Ben K and something like that? Probably not. So, you know, it's, it's gotta be their internal guys, but Yoshida's a guy where if new Japan wasn't able to hold on to him, I mean, if I'm all Japan, I'm angling to try to get that dude. Um, into my company. I just, God, it's so depressing to think about Yato Yoshida just wasting away his career in that 2AW promotion. You know, I don't advocate for Pearl jumps ever, but it's one thing if you're in just some dusty ass indie that never works in front of more than 300 people. It's just a waste for a guy of that level, you know? 2AW is fine for your dinosaur Takuma. Yeah, he's too damn good. I mean, that's that dude just jump off the page good, and and, and that's a yeah. complete fucking waste for him. Yeah. And even if you're a can be a big star, you can't rise that. It, it's not like he can help that company become anything other than what they are. It, they're they're never gonna be anything than what they are. Most people and listening you know, to this have never heard of that company until we just mentioned it right now. So. No, it's the former K Dojo. Exactly right. You may be, if oh. people know K Dojo or kind of, but. I guarantee you how many people know 2AW when we said it a bunch no. of times. Nobody. And, and late last year, Jake Lee and Iwamoto and some of those guys worked some 2AW shows, so it looks like there's a relationship there, and that's probably why Yoshida is returning the favor. And Yoshida's been kind of their top guy. He's held their top title, but um, you know that promotion's fine if you're Tank Nagai. It's fine if you're Dinosaur Takuma. or But man, that, that guy should be a star somewhere. You know, and 
it, 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 that ain't it. So, um, it's just that, you know, that's how Japan is. It's, it's whatever dojo happens to let you link up with and, right. it, you know, but, um, it's not unheard of to, you know, and then Taka started up his own thing to just tap out JTO and that's new Japan sided with Taka in that whole thing. Because, you know, some of the New Japan guys work Taka shows. Taka's pals work Taka shows. You know, and they don't work to, to AW anymore. And it, it looks like all Japan is now politically aligned with them. So, you know, that's why you don't see a Yato Yoshida in New Japan anymore. Why he just disappeared in March. So, um, that was the story behind that. And I was real encouraged to see him on that All Japan show. Because I think you could throw him in the mix. But I don't know if, you know, for all I know, he might not work there again all year. Yeah. But it would be nice if he did. All right. Uh, that is going to be it for us. We are out of time here uh, on the Voice of Wrestling Flash. Of course, VoicesOfWrestling.com for all of our written, written content and columns and previews and reviews and all the other good stuff, including uh, the NXT UK TakeOver uh, preview as well as uh, Impact Hard to Kill. Uh, preview by the time most of you guys listen to this as well. We'll also have reviews of both those shows up on the website as well. Uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, you're going to make sure you get to there. Follow us, as we said. Joe will be live tweeting from uh, Impact Hard to Kill on Sunday. So we have that. Uh, Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, our subscriber site for just $5. Uh, you can get all the content that we produce on Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling, including our instant reaction shows. I'm getting started with the Rumble Rewind, going back and looking at old Royal Rumbles. You got Jovember to Remember. You got the TV reviews. You got news updates. You got plenty of stuff there uh, at Voices Wrestling com slash Patreon, so you cannot beat that just for $5. Um, and yeah, we also um, wrote a book again at VoicesWrestling.com. You can get uh, details on our New Japan uh, Year in Review ebook. You can download it for free if you want to just test it out, or uh, which we recommend, obviously, is, is, is paying uh, for the book because all the money that is made from the book is spread among the contributors. So it's not just Joe and I laughing in our coffers. It is, uh, it is all the money that, it, it, that is made for the book is split between everybody who, who contributed to the book. So it's a great way to, if you, if you like what you see, you, you enjoy the book, uh, you've, you've enjoyed reading it, or you've read the past editions or whatever, you know, put some money on there, whether it's a dollar, whether it's $20, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable with, that it's a name your own price. Um, I, we would definitely recommend that, and we definitely uh, encourage it because it'll help us uh, share some money uh, with people that work hard on the book each and every year. But that is it for us here on the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Bye.